Hey, this is Chuck Dixon, and you're listening to Signal of Doom. <laughs> well, you know, for me, the action is the juice. I'm in.
your baseball hat. You couldn't hit country with a baseball bat. Country ain't just about where you're at. It's about being true to what's inside. You say you're an outlaw with the perfect boots that you got from your record label's image group. Sing another man's song with a big drum boom. Listen, man, you ain't got a clue. You can't buy true. Tell you what they should do. Hello and welcome to Signal of Doom, episode 276. I'm Dave. I'm here with the main man, Richard. Rich, how are you going? Not too bad, buddy. Not too bad. Just trying to keep my eyes open. Still killing? Not doing any of that. I'm retired, man. Oh, my God. You've walked away. You can't walk away from the war, man. It follows you. It haunts you. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm retired. Well, if every movie should teach you, I'm retired until something... Severe or drastic happens that drags me back in. That drags you back in. They, you know, you try to get in, they pull me back in. Um, well, look, I do want to say first up, um, thank you to all the people who've reached out. Had quite a few people reach out about um, San Diego, how much they enjoyed that jump shots we did. Um, so thank you for that. Uh, now we will, you know, I'm sure touch on points of San Diego Comic Con this show, but Rich and I did a jump shots earlier this week, which will be in your feed, which covers in detail a, t- a whole stack of news that we thought was newsworthy out of San Diego. And, well, that was a good half hour and a half, Rich, hour and a half, 90 minutes of, of content. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and I mean, you know, and, and like so in terms of all the Marvel stuff, um, we'll just, just, just to sort of, I will say the thing that's got me most excited is just the title Marvel uh, Avengers Secret Wars and also the Fantastic Four movie. What, what, what got you most excited, Rich? And also Blade. They're, they're my main things I'm excited for in the future. What for you out of San Diego, if you had to pick two things, what was it? <laughs> Come on, you've got to pick two. doesn't need um, to just be Marvel, anything. God, he's struggling. Struggling for form, Rich. Yeah, there wasn't really anything, I'm afraid. <laughs> That's classic, Richard. So, well, if you want more of that banter, check out the jump shots um, where we did go through in a lot of detail. And um, I thought you were excited a couple of times. You may be not excited, but like mildly interested in a couple of things. I was, I was, I, you know. I think again, I, I do like the first Ant-Man movie. The second one wasn't as good. I'm interested to see, of the Marvel movies, the only one that I'm even vaguely mm. uh, interested in is obviously Guardians 3 and Ant-Man 3. Sure. Um, uh, although not as much as I say I would have been probably five years ago, but um, that's all really from the Marvel side. What about the Avengers movies? Secret Wars and whatever the other thing was? I, I'm Kang not Dynasty. interested in the current Avengers, mate. Like, the, the real Avengers are gone. You don't think they'll bring some of them back? I'm sure they will bring some of them back, Rich. Are you kidding? Money's going to talk, Yeah, but man. the focus will be on the, on, you know... The kidlings. Your, you know, Ironheart, you know, your, your Miss Marvel, your Ironheart, your, <laughs> yeah, fuck your them. big Hawkeye, yeah. you know, your, your uh, Echo, Ironheart. Echo. Like, yeah, like that, that'll, <laughs> I, I, that will be the Avengers at some point. <laughs> I'd like and, to put all of them in a ship and just crash it into a mountain and be like, oh, well, that's so bad. <laughs> Too bad, so and, sad. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm very keen for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Cowabunga collection. There you um, go. So there I was something, was, Richard, out of Comic-Con. Yeah, there was something. but I mean... I mean, I, they would, I would have got excited about that regardless of Comic-Con. It's well, like I'm just glad. Was, it was announced at Comic-Con, though, Rich, so it does fall under Comic-Con news. So I'm glad there was something, you know. Now, so 
I don't know if I mentioned this on Jump Shots. I did catch, um, we were up at Michelle's mum's last week and I caught Lightyear um, and watched it and I thought it was okay, like decent. But I think you made the question, Would is that what I pictured like the movie of Buzz Lightyear to be and the movie that would have got Andy from Toy Story excited? No, it's it's more slow than you would expect, Rich. It's um, Well, it's definitely more slow than it should have been, it's- yeah, I always pictured Buzz Lightyear as of Star Command. Is that what he's from? Like, yeah. like sort of real balls to the wall, crazy fighting aliens, like really out there kind of style stuff. Whereas this was more of an internal story. And can I give the spoiler, Rich? Do you care? Of course, I don't care. Okay, so now look, I must admit, I, he has a villain that he fights against in the Toy Story movies. I forget the name of the villain, like like Zodok or something like that. Yeah. So anyway, that's in it, and it's just revealed to be him in the future, like who's followed like an alternate timeline. And I was like, that's really lame. <laughs> I was like, really, like the villain is himself, like yeah. yeah. I, I just when when you do that, I honestly feel like that's something you do three movies in, kind of like I was like, wow, how limiting and how small it felt, and I didn't I didn't hate the movie by any means, like it's okay, um, but it's 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 a very small film in a weird way, like it's it's very insular, um, and I don't think well, it was the tone that I would expect. To be honest with you, ever greenlit this script? Mm. Should we shot? Be fired. Be fired. Like, what about shot? I'm sorry, shot. Shot? Not as I'm not as severe as I, I'm really trying to bring firing squads back. Have you noticed? Yeah, recent... I, I don't know why. Oh, I enjoy them. I, I, I think it's a deterrent. I really do. I, I think it's a huge deterrent, a firing squad. Well, we have death penalties already, and that's not a deterrent. So I don't think but we don't have them ramped up enough. I'm talking like I, I just said to you, someone made a bad decision and greenlit a movie. I'm like, okay, take him out. Take him outside. Oh, it's not the movie. I don't have the I don't have a problem making a buzz like your movie, obviously, but sure. not the script. Like that should have been high octane yeah. space op adventure. Yeah, like uh, just you know things that get uh, a kid excited. I'm uh, picturing but- like fear agent kind of levels of crazy. You know, like and even crazier than that. Kind of like if you could do Space Invaders the game as a movie, like fully like alien hordes against this uh, guy. I, I would have done the other right. I would have. I would have made it more like Green Lantern. Yeah, I guess you could do that. I've, you know, but, I mean, well. it is Buzz Lightyear of of um, Star Command. Star Command. You know, you could have treated them kind of like a Green Lantern organization, where you know it's him as a rookie, and by the end of it, he you know ends up saving the day or whatever. Well, they do have you the Space I mean? Rangers. They are Space Rangers in it. That, that no, is you know what I mean. Like, I'm saying like high adventure. Yeah, like something's coming. It's going to you know it's it's an invasion. Yeah. From the zone, what's zone totally. or whatever he's totally, yeah. Like, you know, and, and most of the like, maybe the the experienced rangers or whatever are, you know, incapacitated or whatever, and it's up to this rookie. And by yeah. doing so, he makes him a legend. You know, that that to me would have been a far better movie. And that feels like the natural movie for it. That feels like what it should have been. Um, instead, they went this kind of other route, and like, it's not terrible, like at all. But it is slow, and. It, I mean, it's not a think piece, but it's just no, it's not a it's not a high octane adventure. Let me put it that way. Well, you know, this is what I find so funny about them trying to uh, take a property mm. 
and try and make money off of it. If you had just made this as a movie that wasn't tied to Buzz Lightyear or Toy Story, could have been far better well received. Yeah. You know what I mean? The people could have looked at it as its own thing. But when you make it a, a Buzz Lightyear movie, yeah. it's going to be held to a much higher standard because people have a expectation of exactly. Buzz Lightyear. And so you, I don't understand. Again, I just don't understand who makes this, these decisions. Also, really. Chris Evans is kind of doing a Tim Allen-ish voice, which makes it even more absurd that Tim Allen wasn't doing the voice because it's not a million miles away. It's not as good, but it's kind of like he's do, he's definitely going for a slightly more moderated version of that voice. And you just like, and Michelle said, Tim Allen's not doing this? Like, she was pissed. And I was like, yeah, it's they went with Chris Evans. I, I don't know why. Like, um, it was nothing that Tim Allen couldn't have done in his sleep, you know? Yeah, well, what can you do? Yeah, it, it was what it was. We also watched when I was up there, um, it was a double bill. We watched Small Soldiers again, which I hadn't seen in like 20 years. And that is a fun movie, you know? Um, so what about the aliens and the, the little yeah. toy soldiers? The toy soldiers right. who get the chip in them and then they're like yeah, yeah. sentient and stuff. Way. It's fun, man. It was it was it, it, like, honestly, it really held up. What was that? Tommy Lee Jones is the main commando. Yeah, Tommy Lee Jones is the leader of the commando forces. I forget what, what his name was. Yeah, I haven't seen it in decades. <laughs> oh, dude, it held up more than you would think. And I think because they used a lot of figure work um, in it, like the practical effects of it, you know, it wasn't all CGI. It really did hold up. Like it was actually quite entertaining. And I hadn't seen it since it came out, you know? Well, that's the thing. I mean, practical effects from like the 80s mm. and onwards hold up. Yeah. They they just do. They they just they just hold up. Like yeah. but the hit and but CG does not. So, yeah. It it ages worse, I agree. Like anyway, so it was it was fun to watch that again. Now, I had a recommendation. I listened to a guy Shane Plays is the podcast name. He's he's excellent actually. He has a lot of people on um that would be of interest to signal listeners from the game sphere the D&D sphere, some comic book people. He had on someone talking about Grindhouse Cinema and they recommended a movie that's been recommended to me called The Executioner. Ever seen this, Rich? Um, I know, it sounds generic. 1980, uh, Vietnam veteran returns from Vietnam. His, his friend and comrade in arms gets paralysed and he goes on a one-man war on crime. Um, it's, it's awesome. It's violent. Uh, it's low-budget. Uh, it's pretty cool. The Executioner, check it out, kids. Um, and I also got another recommendation for Combat Shock about a, about a GI who returns from the Vietnam War and goes on a on a vigilante spree. And I was like, yeah, this is the kind of stuff I need, man. You know, this this is what filling the fire these days. I mean, you just got to love it, Rich, don't you? You do. Now, well, you don't have to. Have you heard of a movie that also got recommended to me, which I got called The Last Dragon, Rich? Uh, 1985, it's like a kung flu, kung fu flick. Um, it's pretty awesome. Uh, real mid-80s stuff. Like this is this grindhouse kind of cinema, which was the sort of very popular in the late 70s into the very early 80s, but mostly the 70s. Um, so this got recommended to me, so I'll do a review next week. But yeah, Rich, check out The Executioner, man. Uh, I swear to God, you will have a good time watching it. I mean, you enjoy your old schlocky 80s movies, don't you? 
Of course. Yeah, so, man, check it out, man. It's it's If you could imagine, put yourself back in the mid-'80s, it's the kind of thing you would have got out from the video store back oh, in the 80s. I put myself in there. I still watch 80s stuff now. Yeah. It's even stuff I've never seen before. That's the beauty of online. <laughs> I have That's much it. more access to That's it, man. Yeah. Uh, finding old stuff that I never found in a video store or anything like that. That's it, dude. And you keep the party rolling. Um, now... We did have some news. Big news broke. Ben Affleck, Batman is officially in Aquaman 2. That got revealed today. Um, it broke on uh, Jason Momoa's Instagram feed, actually. So yes, I remember hearing that. So, yeah, what do you, what's your reaction, Rich? Like, Batfleck, he was in Flash, apparently had a good experience filming that movie, and he's now in Aquaman 2. So Affleck's kind of keeping his, you know, his back career alive, if only barely. Yeah. One of those toes in the in the pool. Yeah, yeah, interesting. I think you know, and uh, just married to J Lo, freshly married. Yeah. Uh, no, they never got married the first time they were engaged. Yeah. It's a long engagement. <laughs> well, yeah, it was it was a broken engagement, but yeah, that was uh, a <laughs> good one, Rich. Um, yeah, no, but like they uh, yeah didn't tie the knot back in the I guess it was nineties, wasn't it? Like, and then two thousand. Yeah, and now they've come back and, uh, yeah, married in Las Vegas. I hope it was... Of course. Most romantic, you know, it's the romance capital of the world. (laughs) Yeah, I hope Elvis married them. Like, that would have been good. Um, Now, we had some news here, the Grey Man star. Now, have you seen this, the Grey Man, Rich, with uh, Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans? It's on Netflix. Don't have Netflix. Oh, that's right. Well, anyway, so the Grey Man star, Ryan Gosling... Uh, reportedly wants to enter the superhero genre as the new Ghost Rider. And Marvel Studios boss Kevin Feige is equally eager to cast him in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, Ryan Gosling as Ghost Rider, Rich? Um, What do you think? Compare him to Norman Reedus, Keanu Reeves, um, Ryan Gosling coming in. What do you think, Rich? Doable? I guess. I guess. Like oh, it wouldn't be my first choice. Wouldn't no, be my wouldn't second be. choice. Probably wouldn't be my third choice. No, I would prefer Norman Reedus, frankly. You know, yeah, he's way down there. If, if you talk about choices for me, why? What's Norman Reedus ever done wrong to to not be part of the conversation? I think he is <laughs> definitely. He doesn't look the part. You don't think you don't think he could pull it off? No, as I said, I think the the guy that I would pick is mm. uh, what's what it's. Charlie Charlie Hunnan. Oh Anna yeah, Hunnan. from Sons of Anarchy. That, yeah, yeah, that would be my choice. That's not a bad that choice. Would be That's a good choice. choice. Yeah. That's a good choice. I just though. feel like yeah. not the look. I feel like when I think, if you're telling me that he's Johnny Blaze, mm. I go, yes, I see it. Yeah, no, so that's and actually a good choice. Yeah. Like, I don't see it. No, definitely not. Don't see it. I tell you something. I got today, or uh, not today, a couple of days ago, was a Batman Forever uh, Batmobile model. I, I was in JB Hi-Fi, and I, and I just saw it there for a reasonably good price. I just picked it up, the old Batman Forever Batmobile, Rich. Uh, I've got the Bat- Batman 89 Batmobile, but it was on John Sontra's Wordball, and he was saying what was his favourite Batmobile, and he mentioned the Batman Forever one. I, I, I still prefer the um, the Tim Burton one. Oh, my, Tim Burton's my favourite. Like That's my all-time favourite, but it is nice to have as a counterpoint the Batman Forever one as well, you know? Yeah, it was such a – I don't know. It's just it, – I'm, do you remember it threw me off back in the day and it got even worse in Batman and Robin? Yeah. I just wasn't expecting all of the like the spinning rims and lights and all that. And yeah. I was just like, 
I was a bit like, what's going on now? <laughs> yeah, no, I know, I know. But I, I look, I prefer the original 89 Batmobile. I've got my model outside. But I'm going to put the Batman Forever one beside it as well, man. Like, you know, all the different Batmobiles. It'd be nice to get the Adam West one as well. Mm. Um, you know, that's a classic. That's a that's a goddamn classic. Now, Mortal Kombat 2 has officially been announced, Rich. It got greenlit. Obviously, we saw the original came, or the Mortal Kombat 1 came out. Was it last year? Uh, was it the year before? Two years ago now? Let's have a look at the uh, box office on the original. One. There wasn't any box office, was there? Because it was streaming. Didn't it, didn't it go straight to streaming? Did it? it? What, it didn't have a cinema release at all? No, it had a cinema release. It was just, well, a very short one. It was in the middle of COVID. From, from yeah, because it was like same day release or like a week Yeah, it later. was. It was. It was. Yeah, it only took $84 million. Uh, worldwide, so yeah, it was it was you know, but it, it it obviously did well enough on streaming for them to to pump in for a sequel, which I'm looking forward to. Did you watch it, Rich? Yeah. What did you think? Not a fan. Not a fan. No redeeming features. I like the teaser Johnny uh, Cage at the end. Any redeeming? No. <laughs> no. You're you're a real um you're a real spark of life tonight. Uh, it's, just, it's, such a, it's such a butchering of the story and the characters. Uh, okay, it? okay, no, you know what? I <laughs> I kind of like the Kano. I'll give them that. I thought the yes. guy who did Kano did a good job of being an utter bastard and just yeah. a just unlikable prick, which is what you expect Kano to be. But I don't know. I just didn't get. I didn't. You know. And then the new insert character. No, I didn't that, like him. You know. And and Goro wasted, mm. like what a waste of Goro mm. and and the guy that they got to play Shang Chi, no, not Shang Chi, <laughs> Shang Tsung. Yeah, Shang Tsung. Yeah, uh, just terrible. I thought he was um, okay. The guy who played Shang Tsung. No, no they, they, they got it right, I think, or closer right with the first Mortal Kombat when they had. He um, was good. He was the Japanese guy. Was um, Sonya and Jax in this one? I forget. Were they? Yeah, they were. They were. Um, oh, that's right. Because Jack's got his hands like done, didn't he? And I didn't. I didn't like the whole tattoo thing of the. Mm. You know, you could try and you kill the person, you get the tattoo, and then you're a. Uh, it's, that seems I just didn't new. like. I didn't like the liberties yeah. of, of what they took with it, and I'm just like, you know, I think one of the reasons why people love the 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 '90s one so mm. much, especially the first one, is just because it was such a simple telling of yeah more combat it didn't stray too much from the law the reason you know they went to an island there's a tournament you know it's for the fate of the world like i'm like why why can you just do that like yeah. you know you can have some other threads and stuff but i mean yeah it was a tournament. i don't know I, I i wasn't no i wasn't a fan no well i mean i liked it well enough i didn't love it like Six out of ten, probably. I, I think there was room to improve. I hated the new character because um, I always hate that. You didn't need a new character when so many classic characters aren't getting a run. You know, like there were no robots. Yeah. Where was Cyrax? And, and, Where was Sector? Where was Smoke? Where was Nightwolf? You know? And, and look, the, the thing is, in the first... Mm. If you're talking about mo most of the games, mm. Liu Kang is the main character. Like, sure. you had a diverse main character that's true yeah an asian guy would have been the main character again of the movie so and his I cousin really Kung Lao? Know, and then the way they go oh well you know we didn't want to make you know johnny cage another white guy johnny cage isn't oh, the hero us. johnny cage became the hero by like mortal kombat 9 maybe i was gonna but say I mean, johnny cage is a cool character but he's not the 
he's not the normal linchpin of the whole franchise. No, that's cool. something they they did like with the reboot stuff when they killed Liu Kang and you yeah. know then Liu Kang went evil and all that. But my point is, for nine games, basically yeah. Liu Kang is your main protagonist. And why did you have to change that? I don't. Well, you could have flipped it and done Kung Lao, you know. Yeah, again, oh. but that's what I'm saying. I don't, you know, even when you have a a, a, a franchise where they give you mm. a, a non-white lead, you still go and change it, like. Yeah, Why? that's a good point. And then, and then you claim it's because we don't want to have another white, but it was never a white guy. Well, Shang-Chi is like, not technically white. Like, he's, like, Asian-American, isn't he? From memory, isn't he? Shang-Chi. No, we... we... What's his name? Liu Kang. Liu Kang. Kang. Yeah. Um, he's, like, Asian-American, isn't he? I thought, anyway. No, 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 no. He's not half He's not half white. He's born no. in America, but he's full Asian. I'm saying Asian-American. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, but my point is that's still non-white is my point. Yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. He's Asian from America, yeah. Asian-American, yeah. Like, he's not, like, Caucasian, you know? Exactly. Yeah. No, exactly. That's, that's yeah, that's a, a great point. Like, oh, we're going to replace the fucking, you know, straight white male. Well, it's not a straight white male. It's a straight fucking Asian-American male. <laughs> that leads me to believe that the person who made it didn't actually really know Mortal Kombat, didn't even realise who the main character of Mortal Kombat was. Jesus. Well, if you can't work out the Luke Kang's the main guy, you're struggling. You obviously haven't played a lot of Mortal Kombat. <laughs> it's like if they, they're like, we, we're not going not gonna to make Raiden the main character. He's never the I main mean, character. <laughs> you know, look, if there's one thing that fighting games do not lack, it's diversity. They do, yeah, that's true. Yeah, they throw, they throw a lot of, a lot of uh, races and genders at, at, at the problem. Um, yeah, that's that's bizarre. And and also, I thought the new guy sucked. Like his powers yeah. sucked as well. Like, can I just be honest there? Like, actually, what they did with his powers sucked. Um, yeah, hopefully they can. I thought there were some promising signs that potentially you could do a better sequel, but it, who knows? Like, you know what it reminded me of? I probably preferred the GI Joe movie. Over it, actually, the Snake Eyes origin movie, which I know is not a perfect movie, but I probably preferred that slightly over the Mortal Kombat movie. What would you say, Rich? I'd give one a six out of six point five if I'm being generous, and one a six, or maybe a six and a five and a half. But did you like the GI Joe one at all? Because again, it um, it takes too much liberties with uh... it takes massive liberties. Yeah, um, you know, and I just. You know, it's un. Look, okay, fine. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not a fan of of you know uh, changing characters, mm. uh, races just because, right? Mm. But mm. fine, you want you know, it's ninjutsu, it's it's ninjas, whatever you want to change, it, whatever. But you still went and completely changed his actual backstory. Mm. You could have still kept his backstory and just made him Asian. Yeah, but you. You just completely changed who Snake Eyes was and his backstory and his motive. It's just, uh, I'm not a fan of that, man. Like, uh, you know, when you make too many, like, I'm okay with some changes. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I get it. Going to be some changes, but I just feel like when all you're doing is changing mm. for the sake of changing, I just, mm. I can't, I can't get it, man. Because I just go, I don't see what was wrong with, with what we had. Oh yeah, well I, I could kind like this could be sacrilege, but I could understand for his own movie him being able to talk, but. I think he's way cooler when he's under the mask and stuff, you know. And and like, he, was he even ever in the mask in this? I can't even remember. It just feels like he was. Hard. No, I, 
maybe 5% of the movie. Like, yeah. But this is also the problem is like, and I've said this before, but not every character deserves their own movie. Yeah. Yes. Sometimes what makes a character cool Mm. is the fact that you don't see them that often is that you don't know their backstory, who they are. There's a lot of mystery to them. Yeah. But it's the thing where they, they're sort of looking for their Wolverine, you know, their breakout of the group kind of thing. I agree. But also here's the thing. What, in my opinion, what made Wolverine interesting was the stories you told with him in the now. Sure. When you went back and gave him an actual origin, he loses that, you know, you, you lose the appeal. Oh so yeah. The I ultimate origin. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I don't necessarily have a, a, an issue with making a snake eyes movie, but again, he need, you need to make it very well and make it, you know, it, with a movie where it's a guy that doesn't show his face. It doesn't really talk. Mm. If you're going to do it, then you've got to figure out how to do it. You can't just go, well, we want to make snake eyes movie. So we're going to completely change. We're going to have him talk and have take his mask off. Yeah. And it's just not going to be snake eyes anymore because now you've, What's the allure for the character? All, all that said, I didn't mind the movie. I, I mean, I'd probably give it a six point five yeah, I mean, yeah, okay. and, and a six to. But I mean, if, if I'm judging it or story, I thought it was pretty. Yeah, I'm just typing in to see what it took because it'd be interesting to see how that compares to what Mortal Kombat took. Uh, let's have a look. It didn't take a lot. I don't. I don't think it was a hit. Um, I think it had a slightly longer uh, longer run in the cinema than. Yeah, Mortal Kombat did come out in the middle of COVID. Not that I'm saying it would have made... Okay, so here we go. Snake Eyes. Let's have a look. Oh, wow. Gee, it really bombed. Took $40 million worldwide. So it, it, was a, it was a true bomb. So that probably, unfortunately, may have put paid to a G.I. Joe franchise, do you think, Rich? Or, or I still think that they're better to do a G.I. Joe movie and just start from scratch, you know, like which you could do after this film because it was just an origin like you get, get the whole group. Here's the thing, and this is why I find it so funny, right? Mm. For some reason, mm. a lot of Hollywood is really scared to make a patriotic movie. But what Top Gun has shown is that mm. there is a market for it. Of course, yeah. You know, now it's not like Top Gun is not super, 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 but but it's it's you know, there's no bashing of America in it. Oh, like the, you know, and, and and its forces and it's a uh, bit of flag waving. Uh, I mean, that's that kind of movie, you know. No, but I mean, it's not like what well, my point is. It's not rah rah over the top. It's it's there. But my point is, if you're going to make a GI Joe movie, you've got to make it rah rah, hundred percent with yeah. the good guys sort of thing and all that. And don't deviate. You know, yeah. like what makes something popular is what you want to try and capture, not change it to the point where it's not what. Yeah, Yo Joe and all that stuff, like fighting yeah. the evil forces of of Cobra. Yeah, you know, that's what I said. I, if I was allowed to make a G.I. Joe movie, I would literally set it in the 80s. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And just fucking go full action, over-the-top characters, will, you know, be, yeah. you know, taken over by Cobra. Like, I would just go full on. Well, why not? Uh, That's awesome. You know. But they haven't done that. They're they probably, you know what, they're, I mean, yeah, I guess that they're scared of a bit of pushback. But I was watching last night, I had on the animated movie from the 80s, which I enjoy, the Joe Joe yeah. animated movie, um, it, they're probably scared of the, the budget that it would be. Like, to, to do Joe Joe properly, it is a big budget spectacle kind of thing. So they're, they're scared of dropping, you know, $200 million plus on a movie yeah, like but, that, you know? But can I just say something, though? Sure. If you try to take that cartoon, make it a movie, yeah. spend the money, 
don't try and put in bullshit like, no, oh, America's really the bad guy, or, you know, you shouldn't be proud to be America. I promise you oh, that yeah. movie yeah. make money. Oh, yeah, you can't, like, if you're making, uh, but we said this to Chuck Dixon, if you're, right, I mean, he wrote G.I. Joe, if you're writing G.I. Joe, if you're making a G.I. Joe product, you cannot be ashamed of America and the flag. You know what I mean? Like you, you just you, you simply put are not built to be working on that property. At the end of the day, it is a perfect piece of you know macho propaganda, fun action, all in a big mix, and that is the property. You know what I mean? Like it's it, it you know it's that is what it is, and and a lot of people respond to that property, and a lot of GI Joe fans are out there, and I mean the fact that as you say, they took the name Snake Eyes and kind of made their own movie. And I didn't hate the movie, but it's like you didn't really touch any of the bases that really would appeal to the, you know, G.I. Joe audience. Like, I don't know. There's a reason G.I. Joe has been around for God knows how many years, probably 50, well, 60 years, you know? I'm, I'm wrecking my brain, right, to try mm. and think of whenever they've taken a cool, mysterious character that mm. is a fan favorite and given them a, a an origin a backstory i'm trying to remember when it's where, where, where it hasn't backfired yeah where, where it hasn't sort of like negatively impacted the, the character or been i mean wolverine uh, wolverine wolverine that's been successful i mean i didn't really like yeah, it but, but it was I, I wouldn't say that wolverine is anywhere near as popular today as it used to be yeah, I but mean, that's Wolverine, not... was yeah. Wolverine was showing up in everyone's books. <laughs> Do you know oh, what I mean? yeah, but that's Marvel's like... bungling of Wolverine in the last, no, I'd say, 10 years, you know? Yeah, but that's my point. Is like it's You need to know what to do with the characters, right? Mm. When you've got a cool character and when their thing is based on mystery, mm. you know, you know, there's all the cool Wolverine stories, right, are mm. snippets of his past, things that are happening now, people that come from the past or whatever, but you don't quite know. Yeah. You know what I mean? What his full past is, he can only remember up to a certain point. That makes that character interesting because it just fills your mind with so many. Yeah. What if scenarios? What if it's this? What I'm if totally it's that? Same with Boba Fett. Like yeah. to me, that Boba Fett TV show, I think, has completely ruined the character. Like it's made that character like. Well, Boba Fett's a great example of screwing around with the character. Uh, I think, yeah, it hurts the legacy of the character. I think the Wolverine origin series when it came out was sold huge but i think that you know the biggest problem it, it's not so much the exact details of the origin because they're so fucking forgettable it is that they i i really firmly believe this they dated it way too close to the present i, I you 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 killed so many storylines for no reason there's no reason that it needed to be then like I was I was astounded. Like and believe you me, the origin, if you read it, is super fucking forgettable. It is it is not it, it sold well because people were like expecting something massive and it's such a weirdly sort of unambitious storyline that you're like, really? This is the best they could do? Um Yeah. yeah. No, I, I don't get me wrong, I think Boba Fett was slightly ruined before Disney got his hands on him. When yeah, basically, yeah, when George yeah. basically just made him a clone. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, you know, I think so I'm, not, I'm not putting all, but what I'm saying is that this show hasn't helped. No, no. Instead of trying to bring more mystery to the character, maybe how did he survive the Solak pit? Who knows? The guy's so mysterious. Like, mm. you know, as I said, I don't know. I, I'm a fan of keeping mystery with characters. You don't always have to 
Yeah. Not every character well, has to have an origin. I'm more forgiving of you than that, but I, I do think that George Lucas, the second he put uh, Tomorrow Morrison in all those different scenes, I know some people love it, but to me it's lame. You know what I mean? Like, because Django Fett to me was cool, and then you made him a clone and... Like all the different scenes where you see Tamara Morrison, you know, as the clone troopers and all that, I in my brain, I'm in my, I'm always like lame. <laughs> well, it's it's one of the reasons why I think so many people also love um, Heath Ledger's Joker, right? Mm. Is that it's not necessarily just his performance, but the the character that he's playing. Every mm. time he's telling someone how he got the scars, it's a different story. Yeah, and so the character has got so much like mystery and intrigue around him that yeah. you just can't help but be infatuated with what the fuck is the truth? What's genuinely crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's why yeah. unless you've got a fucking fantastic story. Yeah. Right? Unless you've got a mind oh my God, this is gonna blow people's minds. But, but sometimes just, I think but sometimes I think like why not make a, a mind blowing story about it? Like Wolverine's fucking origin dude could have been so cool. You know what I mean? Like and well, it was just, it I, was I, so forgettable. Like, it was so... That's my point. That, that's my point. Like, if you gain to do it, right? Because once you do that... You change. You can't, you can't really put the genie back in the... No, you can't. In the, in the, in the box, right? So if you're going to do it, you better make sure that it's something that is going to be, like, talked about forever. Like, me personally, if someone said to me, I have to give Wolverine an origin, right? Mm. I would have actually made it that he was actually the first mutant, like, right. ever. Really? He was like wow. a caveman. And in fact... He actually cool. fought with Abin Sur back in the day in that's Egypt. Cool. That's cool. Yeah, you that, know what I mean. Yeah, I would have cool. gone yeah. so over the top. Why not though? Like, why not? Origin. And you know what? As well, you know what I love about that. Be, that leaves he, he can have this awesome thing, and then it leaves all that history untapped that mm-hmm. you can just go and do stories in it when you want to. And as you say, Ab, you know, fighting um, what's his name? Apocalypse, yeah, is that yeah, who you're talking Aben, about? Aben Sur, Aben Sur. Like he yeah. could have had run-ins with Namor, yeah, way back people. in the day, yeah. Kind of yeah. thing and all that. Maybe he was even around when Atlantis was above sea. Like, yeah, you the things you could do with him if you yeah. basically made it that he was the literally the first mutant, and his healing, his healing factor has kept him alive forever. And I also also thought always, you know, when I was reading Wolverine, I was imagining back in samurai times or medi- medieval times. Um, you could put him anywhere. Yeah, and, and just when they were like, oh, yeah, he's born in, like, 1880, I was like, really? <laughs> Who the fuck thought this was a good idea? And and, and honestly, they just greenlit Because the thing is, they were, they, were, they were just looking to make money. Anything they'd put out at that time saying it was Wolverine's origin was going to sell a ton. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I don't understand why they didn't come up. But they just said, the story that they got just limited them. It really yeah. just narrowed and it's and it's so dull his actual origin that you're like, I, I, there's nothing. It's like okay, God, like Chris Claremont achieved more in many of his flashbacks, you know? Like my God, like the people who went back, like Larry Hummer, uh, they should have got Larry Hummer to do it because there's a guy who really got Wolverine, you know? He he really embraced the action aesthetic of Wolverine. And I think he would have given you that kind of storyline you're looking for, Rich. You know, Agreed. I, I think they got Paul Jenkins to write it, and I do, I don't mind a lot of Paul Jenkins uh, Marvel work, but uh, but I didn't I didn't really like that particular storyline at all. 
Uh, Keanu Reeves has told Extra he would love to play an older, wizened Batman someday. It's always been a dream, but Patterson's Batman right now. He's doing awesome, but maybe down the road when they need an older Batman. Uh, Keanu Reeves is Batman, Rich? Mm. I mean, you know. Oh, you know what? I tell you what, Keanu Reeves right now, if you were going to do like Old Man Grayson, would be a good pick. Sure. Old Man, what, Dick Grayson? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, he looked more like like Grayson like than Batman. Yeah. Like, With he the beard and stuff? Yeah, he doesn't quite have the the – the Bruce Wayne look, but yeah. I would definitely, if I was going to do like something in the future, mm. like if I was going to do a Batman Beyond and I was going to have mm. older Grayson in it, I'd definitely get like Keanu Reeves for that. For that. I, I'm going to put something out there that I, I guarantee you people are going to laugh about, but what about Keanu Reeves as Wolverine? You know, he's, I know he's a massive Wolverine fan. Uh, I saw him uh, interview the other day and he wouldn't shut up about Wolverine. Um, I don't know. I just I don't see that as terrible casting. What do you think of that, Rich? Keanu Reeves as Wolverine. Am I the first one to say it? No, I think lots of people have. have uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I've seen I've seen no, I've seen a lot of fan casting for that and all that. I mean, I guess I don't. Again, I don't. I guess so. I don't quite see it. You don't quite say it. well. You know. Uh, now, something I do want to say: um, the boys is incredible, Richard. I am almost finished season two, about to go into season three. Richard, you need to take out your preconceptions and your whole thing oh. about how you just like to watch good people do good things and all that shit, like heroes be heroes. Check it out, man. It is oh. really good. Dude, I'm telling you, you you will you will like it. I guarantee it. Like, it is a very good show. Nope. Why is it, Rich? Is it just your whole thing about heroes can't be bad and all that? No, that- I mean I'm busy. I'm busy watching the strain at the moment. Not everyone okay. is like 100 good. I'm just not interested in that kind of show, mate. I have zero interest in that. I literally, I'm not joking. I have absolute zero interest. <laughs> I have, what is like it? I had, what is it? Like I had zero interest in Game of Thrones. There's just certain things that just don't. Yeah, but like yes, when I think of Invincible, it, uh, the, I just, I just don't care. What about Invincible, dude? Because in that they're not perfect heroes. What makes Invincible better than the boys? Invincible, yeah, in the you know, invincible, well, that the you, show. yeah, because you do still um root for Grayson, who is the main character. Mm. Okay, well, there is the Carl yeah. Urban character, still going through her... there is the uh, I, I don't know, no trailer I've ever seen for that, or a snippet I've seen has got me even remotely interested. All right, well, I, it is a well made show, it's also by the showrunner, the original showrunner and creator of Supernatural, Eric Krikpiki. Um, uh, is the showrunner on this, which I'd forgotten. I, I just started watching it again. I'd gotten like a couple of episodes into season two and got distracted. I, I went back uh, this week and I watched like three in a row. Excellent. Really good. Uh, the other show that I'm really enjoying at the moment, and Michelle hates it, is Rick and Morty. Oh, my <laughs> God. This show, I'm going to say right now, get ready for this. It may be in my top five all-time TV shows. Seriously. It's up there with like Family Ties, uh, Magnum PI Rockford Files. I fucking love Rick and Morty, dude. It is so fucking. It has knocked the fugitive out of that top five, has it? No, it hasn't. Fugitives are one. <laughs> Fugitives. Come. I'm pretty sure if you thought about your favorite, it wouldn't be in the top five, Dave. If you really thought about Rick it, and Morty. Rick and Morty's good, dude. I'm really enjoying yeah, it. Yeah, I, I think you're being hyperbolic. I don't think of <laughs> all the TV shows you've seen, you would put it in the top five, though. Maybe, but right now it feels like it. But you are right. When I think about Fugitive, Fugitive is obviously you know beyond 
five. It's it, it's in its own sphere. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed back in the day um, uh, the original eighties Transformers. Like in the mid eighties, that was one of my you know as a kid that was one of my all time favorite shows. Obviously, the Turtles. I don't know, man. Do you watch much Rick and Morty? It is fucking hilarious, man. Like, and it's also yeah. quite clever as well. It is. I, is I, it clever? I tried watching it when it first came out, and I can't stand that show. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm afraid I'm with uh, Michelle. Michelle on this one. No, I, you know what? It doesn't strike me as your humor at all. And Michelle hates it with a passion, and 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 like, but it's weird, dude. It, it is really quite a smart show. You know, it, I thought it was a really. When, when I hadn't watched it, I thought it was really lowest common denominator humour. It's not. It's actually really, it's offbeat, very offbeat, sarcastic, and actually quite clever. Like, it's a lot of the stuff in it, I'm like, yeah, this is, it, it, it is a real mix of, like, sci-fi and that acerbic comedy and stuff like that. But Michelle hates, she hates the voices as well. She hates, she hates, like, Rick's voice. <laughs> he does have quite a distinctive voice. Like I don't know, it, it humors me when she goes in. She's like, "Oh my god, this show!" And I'm like, "Yeah, that's right." And I, I'm binging it. I find because it's short. I love watching it because it's only like you know 28 minutes an episode. So I often watch like two or three in a row. So at least oh, I'm, yeah. yeah, yeah. At least I'm happy, Rich. You know what I mean? It's yeah, I'm, hey, I'm one step away from matters, the void. Mate. That's all that matters. Well, you know, I'm one step away from the void, Rich, with the gun in my mouth, and I'm watching that, and I'm like, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll hang in another day on this planet on this rock spinning around the sun. Why not? You know, I saw something and I was like, um, "Good to hear, Dave." Cool. I saw something about like someone was saying we're all doomed to extinction and stuff, and I was like, "Well, like as a race." Well, I agree. At some point, I will be extinct. I agree. Yeah, yeah individually, yeah, <laughs> and I'm certainly not the guy who's sitting there, you know, shaking in my boots over that that fact because that's inevitable, but. Like the decline of, you know, it was, you know, sort of saying like everything's dark and gloomy these days, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, it was the same in the 80s. Like in, if you watch the TV and stuff, like there was the Cold War, there was wars, yeah. there was corruption, yeah. there was assassinations. You know what I mean? Can I, can I just say something, right? Mm. Uh, and Just something that's occurred to me sometimes when, when I just listen to some people talk and how they carry on today. <laughs> I think there are more people depressed now today current time than they were during the actual depression <laughs> oh you mean actually depressed yeah like actually for some reason how somehow they like oh my god life is so terrible yeah. the worst life. everything's so shit and i think to myself <laughs> i actually think people were happier yeah during the depression yeah eating boiled shoes and shit than you are today like you know what i mean and i find that amazing oh there's a lot of whiny fucking crybabies at there today for sure like they've I, I think what it is is it's like a civilization that's quite in a way quite decadent and and quite selfish uh and has turned inward and is just finding things to complain about you do you know what i mean we're at that stage of oh, a yeah, civilization yeah. like we're, we're pretty fucking we're, soft we're, we're, we're approaching the fall <laughs> yeah we're, we're, we're pretty fucking soft by societal standards like if you threw us back in the middle ages most of us would struggle you know not all but most and and, and that kind oh, of thing. You dave you don't even have to go that far mate yeah yeah. Just go back a hundred years. Hundred years, yeah. It's a lot tougher. I know, I know. And so we've got it soft, and people have got an outlet to whinge and complain and cry, and they and they always have someone holding their hand, telling them they're right. So that's all part of it. Yeah, I, I I'll say this, and and I I firmly believe this. I I genuinely believe for men and women, 
um, national service is a good idea. I, I still think that I like, and I say that as someone who thought that at the time when I was when I was eighteen. I, I actually think a good thing would be before you did your your university or before you went into the workforce, a, a year's national service. I think would be a fantastic thing. And if you're a pacifist, um, okay, go and work with homeless kids, you know, um, or something like that. Like you've got to work in like a charity kind of function. Um, what do you say to that, Rich? I yeah, I, I agree. I mean, that's 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 a, a good thing. But it's similar to what my belief is: is that I, I think I've, I'm sure I've said this on the show before. I mm. think the reason why there are also so many problems mm. is that people put their identity in the wrong things. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So, like, they put their identity in their you know their sexuality or their or their race or their creed or even their hobbies or mm. you know that sort of stuff. And it's like you should rather put your thing in like as a friend, as a you know, as a partner. But as how can a, you can, you can't control that though, dude? That's impossible to control. Like you can't control what, what people are. Well, it's impossible to control. Like national service you could pass a law and get people to go to national service and drum some discipline into them. But how people think of themselves, like that's impossible to control, you know? No, it's not. Imp- I'm not, I'm not saying that someone must control. I'm telling people they mm. must put the, well, what do you say? I don't understand what you're saying. Like if well, I say I'm a, I'm a big cricket things- fan, if I'm a big cricket fan following the Australian cricket team. No, don't put your identity <laughs> in being a cricket fan. Because, <laughs> no, because the thing is you can't control the cricket team. Sure. You can't I think control I can. whether they lose I think I can. I think I can. No, I, I, I fucking can. I go I go on blast mode with these no, guys. Mate, I'd love to be a selector. You, but you, you don't actually affect the cricket I team. would love to be a selector. Oh, my, my God. My point is you can, you can be a good partner. Or a husband or a wife, you can be right. a good son or a daughter. You can be a good friend. Those are things that you can identify yourself. Sure, as but what is it, a full time fucking job? Like, am I not allowed to like cricket now because I no, have I to be? Say a you good can't partner. like cricket. I said, don't make that your identity, Dave. I just think that don't that's make it. that all about like what your identity. Oh, is. I agree. That's all who I am. Yeah, like, you mean balance, don't you? Is that what you yeah. mean? Like, yeah, find you know. other things to put yourself into yeah, but or dude, identify yourself but some that people, you can control. Some people, it is really important to them, like their, you know, sexuality or whatever. Like that is a big part of their life. That's important, think. but it's not your identity. Well, I don't, I, I don't even know. I, 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 I I'm not your even sure. Is your personality, mate. <laughs> your humor, your, 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 you know, it's not, sexuality is not an identity. Okay. All right. Well, I know that there's a thing called I, I'm no expert on Rich. How would I know? But I know there's a thing called identity politics. Is that what you're talking about? Ah, uh, but again, that's all bullshit, though. Yeah, I think it's bullshit too. But I'm just saying, I know it's a thing. I don't know. I, 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 I'm just saying. I, I think. I yeah, but anyway, we're, we're getting off topic. I like transforming. Less happier today. They're <laughs> fuck, yeah, definitely. No, no. On that, I agree. But did you like my idea, Rich? Because. What I'm saying is, and some of it is, I think we are just a very soft society. I think it's just literally that is the actual, like, like it's Rome at the very apex of the of the of the ruling elite, where they're sitting around eating their grapes and you know, sort of like letting it all crumble, and that's kind of where we are. But we're way softer because it's gone way down from just the elite. You've got sort of like the middle to lower middle classes who you know who are actually quite soft themselves now who previously, you know, were sort of the backbone of the whole society. So 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. National service. You actually got to drum some discipline into them. I think. I actually yeah. think that's. And a I, big, I didn't have an issue with that yeah. Um, yeah. idea. Yeah, man, that's it. You know, your whole thing. I, I don't know, dude. How you're going to control what people think about their fucking identity or whatever? I don't understand. I'm not. I'm not. He, they, I don't know I'm how not to control people. I'm yeah. telling it. The onus is on the people. Like advice. Do not wrap your identity up in things you cannot control. Sure. But what if I said I'm a big Bob Dylan fan and I enjoy his music? Is that allowed? Yes. I'm looking at my as book. As, you are, as long as you don't identify as just a Bob Dylan fan. No, it's just one thing I like. And that and that if Bob Dylan came out and, and you found out he was a pedophile, that you go and commit suicide because you put all your life oh, Jesus. and your personality and your... Well, firstly, that is being not... alive into him. Firstly, well, that's a very hot fucking comment. Firstly, that is clearly not even alleged. That's not even a fact. That's just pure fantasy. So we want to put that up. You know, I, I know. I'm just I, saying, I, as a Bob Dylan fan. Yeah, 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 yeah. A hypothetical. No, I get you. Where, you, where you're like, it's kind of like the Pakistani. You hear about the the um, Pakistani cricket team when they lose. There's always like a rash of suicides in in Pakistan. Like it happens yeah. every World Cup. Like people kill themselves. That's taking it too far. I agree. You, you talk about. People going yeah. off the deep end kind of thing. Yeah, I'm not yeah. saying you can't be a fan of things. I'm just saying don't make it your identity. Don't be like that's all there is to me is my sure. fandom of this or sure. my love of this. Like, and, and that's sure. why I'm, But sometimes, you know, I, sometimes I think like sometimes – I'll be honest, man. Sometimes I'm like, you know, at the end of a long – especially when I'm tired, the end of a long day and stuff, I'm like how much of me is there? And I'm like I'm not even sure. It's more than you think, though. Like, <laughs> like put it this way. Look, look, okay, when I'm talking about like your identity, there are people who their whole life as say a, a PlayStation fan on Xbox fans is to dunk on <laughs> yeah, the other. They're things. losers. And, I call those yeah, people no, losers. But my point is that they have made that console their identity, and any bad yeah. news they take it to heart, and it's like yeah. they scream and they and they carry on because something didn't. And again, why you can't yeah. control company does why they made it for identity I, I agree you're not a stockholder in xbox or playstation so why are you getting so bent out of shape yeah i agree Th- those 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 people um i never quite understand what their problem is like actually like I mean, there were there were people know. when kojima said his next game was going to be on xbox right with threatening to like kill themselves and really he's a traitor and you know Jesus. everyone should burn their their kojima merchandises and i'm like what are you what the fuck is wrong with you? It's yeah. just a fucking console, man. It's just a game. Well, but again, unfortunately, that's yeah. It's wrapped up in yeah. that thing, and yeah. and so they see it as an. The problem when you wrap your identity in something you can't control, everything is an attack on you. Sure. You take everything far too personally and serious, and yeah, you know what I mean. And that's my point. I feel that's also a problem of the world today, not just like. Oh, I think you're right. I, I, yeah, now that you explain it more. Now that you explain it more, Rich, I understand what you're saying. You, you're not so much trying to control them. You're just pointing to a problem, which I, I agree is a problem. Um, but how to, you know, that's like an individual. I mean, you could, you could, I honestly think what a lot of those kind of uh, individuals who take it way too far actually need sort of some therapy and stuff and some sort of counseling and getting their life realigned. Like it's do what you got to do, but my yeah. point is that you're the only person that can make that change. Like yeah. you, as an individual, you're the only person sure. that can choose not to. Wow. do Wow, no I wonder one. if we've got Signal of Doom fans who are just like taking it that far 
to the fucking edge. Don't jump off the ledge, please. I would, I would hope not. I like, could I, imagine I would have those kind of fans. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to have fans, but I definitely don't want them like. Yeah. No, well, like, like it's scary too and, because like John Lennon was shot by a fan, you know, a crazed fan. Yeah. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it's who who you know is a fucking piece of shit who deserves to rot in jail for the rest of his life, but was deranged. You know, like whatever justification he had in his head was just it was pure nutty. You know what I mean? Like it was just nutty to the nth degree. Yeah, and I think um, you said this as well. Um, like when you watch the Beatles in the '60s and you watch the the fans, they're going nuts. You know what I mean? Like they're going insane. Just man, they are fucking. Well, it's like the people with like you know a few years ago Justin Bieber, like the Bieber fans and stuff. Like they 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 they're. It's anything. It doesn't matter whether it's Elvis. It doesn't matter whether it's Beatles. It doesn't matter if it's Spice Girls or Justin Bieber or Mm. this. But I I look at that and I have never ever reacted about something like that in my life. (laughs) And I just my brain cannot wrap around how you can lose your fucking shit like that. I I don't get it. I've definitely cheered and gone a bit nuts at times, but not to that level. Not for so long. Like you know what I mean. I think the biggest reaction I have to anything, I go ooh. Like that's it. like that's that's the that's the. I will cheer a bit harder than that, but like I'm not going to be screaming for fucking forty minutes like when in the Beatles, you know, you saw the the girls and stuff were screaming. Like it was a it was also a societal change though. It was happening at the time, but yeah, it's that kind of crazy adulation, uh, fan fanaticism, I guess. Um, yeah. uh, we had The Rock was asked. You mentioned this the other day, didn't you? Was asked if Black Adam could defeat Superman, to which he said. Mm. I guess it probably all depends on who is playing Superman. I'm just gonna leave. I'm just gonna say that I'll leave it at that. And then apparently got booed. And then he got booed. Why were they booing him though? Because they wanted him <laughs> to say Henry Cavill is Superman. But wasn't the question would Superman beat Black Adam? It wasn't like what Superman? It was like would Superman? Well, one, be- he's not answering the question, and two, people are already pissed off because. Everyone thought Henry Cavill was going to be there to announce that he's still Superman. That's right. There was that rumor. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, um, yeah. Well, at least The Rock got a taste of you know, kind of like he got the back the backflip. Whereas, oh, you know, I don't think The Rock has been booed like that in a long time. Not since his wrestling days. Yes, exactly. I was going to say he's not used to getting booed very much, and uh, he probably put that big grin on. Though I can just imagine he probably put a huge grin on and just tried to plaster over the cracks. Why not? Um, what is this thing about Wakanda Forever, Rich? Is this you? Got some yeah. So as per usual, it takes it takes a little time, but people <laughs> eventually come to my way of thinking. It takes a bit longer to get there. What What is that? And what happened? There's actually some, uh, some, uh, some black fans out there who are now uh, mm. saying that people should boycott the Wakanda Forever movie because <laughs> them not. A uh, recasting T'Challa mm. is disrespectful to a black is disrespectful to him as a black superhero. Which I get what they're saying mm. is that T'Challa is Black Panther, just like sure. Tony Stark is Iron Man, or just Bruce like Wayne's Batman, is blah blah blah, whatever. And people are saying that uh, Chadwick Boseman was such a massive fan of T'Challa mm. that even he would have wanted, and, and, and apparently his his brother has even said this as well. So this isn't right. just. Right. Whatever his brother said, he was a massive fan of T'Challa, and he would have wanted to see the character of T'Challa be recast so that he could live on mm. and be a cultural uh, icon. You know that could inspire 
young black boys and all this sort of stuff, which I get, I get that. I mean, I, I don't, you know, um, I'm not a big thing of like, I must see my color scheme in a person, but that's just me. Um, but this is what I was saying is that T'Challa is bigger than, you know, a black panther. You have been saying this, actually. This is a constant thing that you've gone on about for years. Well, put it, okay, here's the thing, right? T'Challa's never had anything. No. Like, this is the first time where that character. It's the first time anyone's cared about Black Panther outside of a few hardcore comic fans. He's literally in the zeitgeist and you just go, oh, well, Chadwick died and you know what? We were going to make it uh, Shuri at some point anyway, so this just saves us fucking two movies. Yeah. (laughs) before we get there but i do i i completely agree with him from slightly different uh reasoning mm. but very similar reasoning as well mm. and i'm just glad that finally you know two yeah. years later you know people are coming coming well uh, it's a decent point i mean i look i don't give a shit about black panther fucking whoever plays him like i thought chubby Boseman did a good job uh i would have my life would have gone on just fine if they'd recast uh, Black Panther. Um, well, as they said, like uh, one of the one of the the Twitter people said, they were like, if Tom Holland, God forbid, had died, yeah, he would have been recast. They would have recast Peter Parker as Spider-Man. which they've done multiple times. No, but know? even if in that franchise, forget about him rebooting the franchise. Yeah, if they were making these Spider-Man movies and something happened to Tom Holland, mm. they wouldn't just kill off the the character Peter Parker. They would. Nah. They would more than likely recast it because they want to continue the Peter Parker story. Yeah. And so the argument is you should continue the T'Challa story. Yeah. I mean, yes, I agree. And it's such a shame because it would have been so nice to see T'Challa versus Namor because you've seen that in the comics so often. Mm. You know, the two of them have always been added and now the first time Namor's in a movie, there's no T'Challa. So have they, have they got a history? I didn't realise that of fighting, the, those two. Um. Not not like for like for a, forever, but probably maybe in the last ten to twenty years, they've had a bit of a sort of a rivalry, right? Kings and um, you know, land versus sea kind of thing, and all that. And <laughs> land versus. It came, a, it came to a head when they were on the Illuminati Council and all that. Right. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um. Yeah. Well, you know, life's not perfect. the The other thing I I can say is I'm sorry to say this to break the hearts of all the fans out there, but like. I know that movie grossed a ton and was a huge hit, so I'm not disputing that. But yeah, no, and it was a huge hit. Okay, which I would think would actually sway you towards recasting. But outside of that, no one gave a shit about Black Panther for fucking ever. So maybe they they don't think it's important enough, kind of thing. You see, I I kind of disagree with you there because let's be honest. Iron Man wasn't really a big thing until Robert Downey Jr. made him a big thing. Mm. I know, but what I'm saying is maybe Marvel didn't see that they had the sort of, I don't know, I don't even know, story, progression, flow, whatever, future map down. I'll be honest with you, I just think if you look at the the way they're going now, you can see them slowly replacing the heroes. Mm. I think they just decided, fuck it, we're just going to move it forward. Um, Yeah. And, and just get on to Shuri, whatever, or, or, or someone else being black, because we were going to go that way anyway. But that might not be, from a business standpoint, the worst decision. Like, Shuri was, I mean, I thought she was extremely fucking average, but people, like, loved it from memory. It was like... But the problem is is that if you, you want to keep T'Challa going at least for a while, because then when you eventually do reboot, mm. you still want to have it, you know, you still want T'Challa to be... Yeah, a, a an icon, not not just whoever random yeah. character decide to make Black Panther. You want T'Challa to be a a recognizable name in 
the pop culture zeitgeist. Dude, if they can recast Batman again and again and again, starting from Michael Keaton to Val Kilmer to, you know, whoever, like, you know, to then to uh, Clooney, to Christian Bale, to Affleck, you know, blah, blah, blah. The story went, like, and people aren't exactly, it's a big thing when they recast him, like, you know, the anticipation, is it's all part of the game. But people aren't like, no, we only accept one. Everyone else is a fraud. Like, I the, when once they do it once, like with James Bond, like transitioning yeah, away I from was Connery. I was about to say, the biggest one is James Bond, which has been a continuous set of movies mm. and at some point is a different actor, but mm. that's been going on for decades. And the for- biggest challenge for them was when Connery originally left and I believe they replaced him with Lazen before one movie, that would have been the biggest test of that franchise. You know what I mean? Like the first time you recast it is the hardest time in a weird way because that, you know, Sean Connery was very iconic as James Bond, but, you know, then, then they got Roger Moore. He had his own flavour, blah, blah, blah. They had this person. They had that person all the way up to Daniel Craig. Like you kind of keep the ball moving with, and you allow the – you you can you can do the the ten year cycle or the five year cycle of the actor and then phase them out and bring someone else in and you kind and, of and, get a longevity of the franchise. And what makes James Bond even more important is that that's the same character. Yeah, there's no reboot. That's the same character. Yeah, like when you've got the different Batman's, that's uh, most of the time it's different Batman's except for the first the nineties. The nineties ones, the nineties ones were the same. Yeah, it's the same, but usually it's it's a reboot. So my point is, yeah, those Batman movies show that you can continue with the same character and recast it. Mm. You know, and J- uh, James Bond is the perfect example of mm. that's the same character over like, you know, what's it like thirty movies? And audiences are growing up enough; they've shown that if you do a decent enough movie and get that kind of, like, positive bounce off it, audiences are growing up enough to accept it. And like they, I'm, I'm watching The Strain, and I've just started the second season, and they replaced the child actor in it, mm. probably with an, a, a better child actor. But my point is they didn't just kill – they didn't go, oh, this kid's not working out. We better kill the character off. Yeah. It just starts the next season. No, nothing said about it. No. That's now the son. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Well, Move on. Yeah, man, I, I I agree with you, and uh, and I can understand. Look, if if I was a hardcore Black Panther fan from who'd been supporting him in the comics, and there would be some, I'd be pissed. You know what I mean? Like, um, it's like if it was the Punisher, and say John Berthnell tomorrow passed away, and they're like, oh wow, we can't like continue on with the Punisher. We've got to do stories about like his kid, and it's like no. Just, just recast. Um, yeah, they did that with Dumbledore in the Harry Potter movies as well. Yeah, yeah, Sean Harris, many... right? Great actor passed away after I think the first, after the second movie, mm. and they uh, got a new actor and they, they didn't kill him off off screen. They didn't, so they didn't why, him. why oh, was Dumbledore died? Sorry, guys, we got a new headmaster. <laughs> so why in this case did they not do it? Like, what was the no reason? Idea, man. I I would love to know. Maybe it's maybe it's racism. Who knows? <laughs> I'm sure it's well. They're replacing just, him with. I a... just throw that out there, like everyone does. Right? They, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they just automatically go. It must be racism. I look. I don't know what it is. I just think it's a stupid. I I, I would say some of it is they got fairly fos- positive feedback on Shuri, and Shuri was a reasonably big thing coming out of that movie. So they no probably. Way. They probably looked at their audience scores and their audience reactions and looked at the online 
heat and all that kind of shit, they look at and gone, you know what? She's popular enough that we can kind of segue to her. I maybe, but I also think that they they follow in the comics anyway. Are they? So, well, what I mean is that they they leading towards the new characters in the comics, which is Shuri, Ironheart, you know, (laughs) Miss Marvel. um, the funny thing is these com- these these comics suck. Uh-huh. These comics mostly suck. Like, have they noticed that? <laughs> no, but what? No one. I, I think they just decided. You know what? Well, you know, Shuri's this new character, the Black Panther stuff, and we <laughs> want her to be the focus. Like, it, that's probably what it boils down to. Is that you know? I hope that Ironheart just is a huge bomb because it will prove to them just how shit that character is. Like that character has always been an irritant kind the of. Problem- Disney is they don't admit when anything is a bomb. Yeah, they just double down. Kind of they like, triple down on, on a yeah. lot of it. They're like, nope, we refuse to admit or even acknowledge or yeah, even, yeah, just keep you know, we lie to ourselves that this character's super popular. Well, it's, it's, pure, it's pure corporate spin, man. It's pure corporate spin. Like, never, never, never say sorry. Never apologize. Always keep the ball moving, you know? Deflect, mm-hmm. deflect, deflect. Um, no, back in my day, if a comic book character wasn't selling, they got cancelled. Yeah, no, but like, no, but I'm saying that is the corporate mentality where it's just like never admit, you know, always keep it moving, keep pushing the well, product out. I think there. It's, the, it's the current corporate, but it never used to be that way. I mean, back in the day, comics used to get cancelled left, right, and center if they were. I mean, you, I could have liked the character, but if they weren't selling, one day pff, that comic would be gone. Oh, the character sure. would have just disappeared. So, you know, I mean, I, I don't understand why, as I said, I'll never understand why currently a company who's job it is is to make money and put out popular stuff refuses to admit when something's not popular and he's not making their money it's weird to me well i don't know if you need to admit it but you you would just cancel the series no, like, i don't yeah. say you have to come out and say it but the fact that they never cancel the series for longer than mm. a month before mm. it's rebooted to me means you are unwilling to admit mm. even to yourselves mm. Yeah, that this is a failure. That this character is. They not- will know at the top levels, though. They'll they'll look at the numbers on like a Miss Marvel, where I believe the the ratings were quite poor. But then they judge it against. Well, how was her social media heat? How was the you know word of mouth on it? Blah blah. blah. They balance all those things together. Like they hope that even if the numbers are poor, that they get some sort of currency of, of getting her, her out there. And you know they they try to take a slightly longer view of the character because they've obviously invested all this time and money into trying to make her a thing. You well, know, what I mean, mean there's, there's not much they can do for course correcting in the MCU anyway because they you know they plan in like fucking you know ten years down the track, and mm. so they can't really take out a pin because otherwise the whole thing might fall. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You know. Well, we had some sad news this week. David Warner, the actor, not the Australian cricket player. Uh, oh, passed away. Well, yeah, I knew you were going to put make that comment, and <laughs> that's annoying that you made that comment. But anyway, um, David Warner, not one of the, you know, definitely one of the greatest Australian cricket players, uh, is alive and well. But unfortunately, David Warner, the actor, uh, British actor, passed away at age eighty. Now, to Signal fans, his one of his biggest roles was he was the voice of Ras Al Ghul in the animated series, Rich. Mm. Um. And but I had a look at his uh, filmography, and it is extensive. Oh, he appeared man, appeared in a ton of Star Trek. Uh, he was in Avatar, Teenage Mutant Turtles Two, Secret of the Use, Titanic, uh, man, and Scream Two. Get to the best one. Get to the come on. Uh, he was in Wing Commander, the film. Um, no, come on. What's what's he was in Gargoyles? Tron, like, man, he was in Tron. 
He was in Tron, was he? Okay. With the original? Yeah. Okay, cool. I didn't know that. Um, but he was in a lot of stuff, is my point. This is a guy who did a lot of he did a lot of voice oh. work on top of theatre work. Oh yeah, he was in uh, another a good movie that is in if you haven't seen it or any listeners haven't seen it is Cross of Iron. Oh yeah, yeah, that's one you recommended to me. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I bought actually. I haven't watched it yet. It's a good one, Rich. Yes, yeah, highly no. recommend. Uh, uh, hold on a sec. I think I've got it here. Is it Sam Peckinpah? I've got a feeling it might be. Yeah, it's a Sam Peckinpah movie. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. thank you for recommending this, Rich, because I'm a big Sam Peckinpah fan, and I had never heard of it. And um, Richard recommended this to me, and and I will watch that. I will have a review of that movie by next week. So yeah, that, that that's an interesting one. So I I, I I came across an article about Sam Peckinpah like this week, and it mentioned Cross Fire. I was like, I'm sure that's the movie Richard recommended. And mm-hmm. weirdly, when you recommended it, I thought it was a more modern film. But obviously, uh, it was, yeah, from like the 70s or something. 1977, I think it was. Right. Well, it was Sam Peckinpah. I mean, have you seen The Wild Bunch? Yes. That's a great movie. That's another Sam Peckinpah movie. That's a fantastic movie. How does it stack up against The Wild Bunch in, in the same sort of realm? Uh, oh, it's hard to compare because they're just so different. Yeah, yeah okay. But I love uh, The Wild Bunch. But it's, I, I, yeah, I mean, they're both up there. Yeah, I mean, cool. It'd be very hard to pick. Have you seen, um, for a lighter movie that he did, The Getaway with Steve McQueen? It's a good movie. Yes, I have seen it. I love that movie. It's, it's a bit different. By the way, um, you're talking about uh, <laughs> schlocky 80s movies. Mm. Uh, he was actually in a, a really good uh, horror movie in the 80s called Waxwork. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, RIP to him because... Oh, it, you he was know. also in that movie. I just remembered he was also in that movie that I was telling Adam about, The Company of Wolves. Okay, cool. Wow, he's really got around. He was very good as Ras Al Ghul, I must say. Oh, yeah, fantastic. Animated series. Uh, that's the voice I hear. If Me, I too. Ever read, Me too. If I ever read Batman, um, that, that's the Ras Al Ghul voice that I hear. Jesus Christ, the animated series, did such a good version of those Denny O'Neill original um, comics with Ras Al Ghul. Oh, like, yeah. I, w- I would say most the voices in most people's heads now is probably that cartoon show. Yeah, I agree. No. Except for the penguin, you didn't like the penguin. No, with the, uh, the the 60s Batman is the penguin voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was good. <laughs> it was pretty damn good. Um, yeah. So now Bruce Campbell is in talks for an Ash versus Evil Dead animated series. I am definitely looking forward to this, and I am watching slowly the Ash versus Evil Dead series. Richard, did you watch the TV series? Yes, uh, I have good. watched the first season and a half. Yeah, it's pretty good. I, I mean, yeah. I, I like it. I think it's Although funny. He did like he said that the only time he would re- return to Ash mm. is with video games and animation because he said he's done playing the character live action. Mm. He's too old. He said he's too old. But yeah, but he's but I think an animated one would be cool. Um, it'll be quite graphic. I mean, the yeah. show's quite graphic actually. <laughs> Well, the movies were. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the movies. Well, the movies. Well, were... Except for Army of Darkness. Army of Darkness wasn't actually um, bloody. It was just comedy. Yeah, I loved Army of Darkness. That was a great movie. Um, Avengers, the Kang Dynasty lands the Shang-Chi director, Destin Daniel Creton. Um, Shang-Chi, I mean, I didn't hate the movie. I can't stand the star, but it wasn't anything special. It was very mediocre, in my opinion. Um, he's the guy who's doing the King Dynasty. Someone's directed, I guess. What's that? Anyone do? I said you've got to get someone to direct it. I guess anyone will do. 
Yeah, I know. They just picked this guy. Maybe they just have a maybe they've got a hat with names in it and they just pull one out. And they they plucked him. Like, they plucked one. him and said, Yeah, go for it. Uh now Rich, you brought us some GTA six news. Um you well, you messaged me really, about this. Yeah, not really bringing you so much news as I was having a bit of a laugh that uh uh so, so Rockstar, uh, GTA 6, mm. Rockstar says that the, I don't know if it's the main character or one of the main it's characters. It's one of the main characters. It's going to be a two-hander, a Bonnie and yeah. Clyde kind yeah. of thing. be a Latina woman mm-hmm. uh, and will be half of a Bonnie and Clyde-esque uh, pair of protagonists, although that sounds pretty lame. What's me. wrong with that? No, that, well, uh, if it's GTA, you would think they would go for more. Um, oh shit! What's the two characters from uh, Pulp Fiction? Uh, what Vincent Vega? No, no, the uh, in the diner, the the the. Oh uh, yeah, what those two idiots at the start, like Tim Roth and whoever they're. Yeah, that'd is. be more GTA though than Bonnie. <laughs> but anyway, but they're losers, uh, man. Those two. That's GTA. <laughs> Everyone's a loser in GTA. Uh, but what I found hilarious. Mm was that they said that the GTA 6 will be more culturally sensitive. Right. Yeah. To not say to anyone. And then I'm like, well, why bother fucking making the game then? Well, you know, I, I will say this, and you may laugh, but... I, I'm sorry, but criminals are not known for their cultural sensitivity. Well, in GTA 4, in the Ballad of Gay Tony, that was a reasonably sympathetic portrayal of, you know... um sort of like the gay sort of side character and stuff. Like, that was a pretty good... I thought that was a really good sort of content. Like, they they, they didn't go, like, homophobic or anything like that. That, that. I thought they treated that reasonably well. And that could have been a hot-button issue for them. So I don't think it's beyond them to... to, to yeah, but the fact you know. that you coming out and making that statement just means to me it's going to be a shit show. <laughs> well, I don't know, man. I'm looking forward to it. Apparently... Uh, it was originally going to incorporate huge swathes of the South American and North America continent, but then they've decided to cut it down and they're going to release, like, expansion packs and stuff. Um, supposedly, this is all... We don't know anything. Nothing's been officially said other than this one-line comment about the Latina lead. But I've got no problems with the Latina lead. Um, That's I mean, not the part I found funny. I found funny the... the cultural sensitivity. The culturally sensitive in our... Um, scumbag game. Well, we'll see what happens, man. Um, now, Bruce Springsteen fans are furious at ticket prices going for as high as 4 to 5K due to Ticketmaster's dynamic pricing model, which is a weird system where it kind of like it opens parts of the auditorium up for sale, but then also it does like a supply-demand thing where if the demand's really high, it automatically starts raising prices and stuff. So it's a, it's a weird system that is, you know, I think almost corporate thievery basically and makes me not want to pay those kind of prices. I don't want prices to fluctuate wildly while I'm trying to do my transaction. Oh, you know? That is ridiculous because buying tickets for a show is not supposed to be an auction. But that's what it's turning into. Yeah, no, but that's, not, that's, that's utterly fucking ridiculous. Like a tick, the, the value of the ticket doesn't – like could you imagine every time there's a sold-out concert, which there's been many times, jillions of them, that they were basing it like that's stupid. If someone is popular, of course they're going to sell out. Of course there's going to be a high demand, but mm. that doesn't change the cost of the fucking seat. 
Well, I, I know in like Vegas and stuff, like people like Streisand and Elton John, I mean, they sell their seats for like, you know, two to three grand because they know that no matter how well, I mean, they can price them that high and they'll fill the stadium. Or they'll fill the, yeah, they'll fill the auditorium. Like that from the start and it doesn't change. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. I'm fine. Okay, fine. You've deemed that's the value of the ticket. Yeah. That's the value. But if I go to the website on yeah. Tuesday and it says that the value of that ticket is a hundred dollars mm-hmm. and I come back two days later because maybe I was waiting for payday mm. and now that ticket says it's a thousand dollars. That's fucking, that's, that's I think it's, true. I think it's garbage. And, and I think it's, I, I would, I would go so far as to say it's sickening. And, uh, and frankly, I think it hurts. I mean, not that Springsteen cares, but his whole brand, all these fucking years, you know, that he's built this brand uh, it just shows the ultimate hypocrisy. Like it's, it's a, to a sickening level. And, you know, he got in bed with Ticketmaster and and this is it. And I and I it, it turns me off it a bit. I mean I love Bruce Springsteen's music, but there is no way in hell I'm gonna participate in an auction for his tickets and be paying those kind of numbers. Uh, you know, I think it's unscrupulous, I think it's, you know, uh manipulative and predatory, frankly, from Ticketmaster. And I think it's terrible. Honestly, I would not. I, I I would not be involved in that game for anyone I went and saw because I hate it. But that's where we're that's where we're headed, man. Like that's just a glimpse of the future, dude. You know, and you know, no, that's a potential future. It is a potential future. Yeah, to walk with your wallets. If they start doing that, then just don't buy tickets. Exactly. Yeah, and I promise you, it will not stay that way. Yeah, yeah, true. Because all the artists will turn and say, "You're fucking ruining my concerts." I'm trying to make money and sell tickets and put yeah. on the show. Yeah. And no one's coming because you keep jacking the goddamn prices up. And it's happened plenty of times. Plenty of big names when they tour, there's an overestimation of how much they'll sell. Like some of these guys put out a record that doesn't do as well. You know, they're a bit long in the tooth. People have seen them a couple of times. They don't want to pay the high prices. And suddenly those stadiums aren't being filled and the, and the promoters are the ones who, who, who take a bath, you know? Um and yeah, it's uh it's it's tricky. It's tricky and, and they're the ones that get hurt. The promoters lose money on these tours because they're obviously paying the artists like guaranteed prices kind of thing to turn up and appear. Uh so yeah. no one no one says that you can't price your tickets high. Mm. That's not like that's not the argument, right? No. I get it. Like you want to make some money, well then you decide what the value of the ticket is and that's it. But no, you know, but it's it's the changing of the, you know what I mean? It's yeah. not petrol prices. It's not you're not yeah. the value of that ticket doesn't change because more people are buying. That's my that that's like where I'm like that's really predatory. Like yeah, you 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 are punishing the latecomers, or maybe as I said, the people who are waiting for payday, or or whatever to buy the tickets. They are now being punished because they weren't the first ones to buy, and so now they got to pay more. Yeah, for the, it's bullshit, for the, man. It's that's, bullshit. That's, yeah. And as I said, people should just stop buying. If that's what they're doing, then, you know, if you don't get in there first and the price has gone up, then go, well, that's it. And then I, I promise you they'll they'll change that system fast. And they're manipulating, and I bet. They're, they're, they're releasing small batches of the tickets. They're trying to drive the demand up artificially oh, as well. You know, yeah. that's that's the other part as well. Like, it's – it's. I think the whole thing stinks to high heaven. And, and I saw – without even searching at all, I saw a lot of Springsteen fans on Twitter and stuff who were fucking outraged. You know what I mean? And, and these are lifelong fans of The Boss. You know what I mean? I've been a fan of The Boss since I was about 20. But these, these are people who have been following him since the 70s. 
You know what I mean? Like, there's he's got a big fan base, dude, um, internationally, and people who turn up, just like Bob Dylan, turn up tour after tour after tour after tour, have supported him for this many years, and now it's pretty late in the game, and suddenly they're being asked to pay these kind of shifting prices, and like fuck that, you know that's my that's my response. Like I'll I'll stay at home and listen to fucking Born to Run on the fucking album, you know. It's probably going to sound yeah. better than Bruce Springsteen right now. Um, how you see this? A chess robot in Russia grabbed and broke the finger of a seven-year-old opponent. Um, they were doing they were playing like a computer, and the the computer made a move, and then the kid went and did a counter move quickly, and then the thing reached out and broke his finger, snapped his finger. Uh, is this the first sign that the machines are starting to revolt, Rich? He's like, fuck this, fuck this kid, fuck this game. I'm going to take over. No, I'm pretty sure the robot was winning. I <laughs> <laughs> didn't just want to cripple its opposition. <laughs> That's even more dangerous, Richard. He's like, just trying to, no, no, he's, he's teaching through pain. So that kid <laughs> won't make, he won't move, he won't make that same mistake chess move. <laughs> oh, I see, right. Yeah. He's like the harsh mentor kind of thing, like the stick mentor. Yeah, yeah I see. That's it. Yeah, he's teaching through pain so that he won't make the same bad move. I love it. Oh, that is hilarious. Um, also here, Rich, we've got some news on the Loch Ness Monster. Um, the University of Bath in the UK has found new fossils of small plesiosaurs that lived in fresh water, which was the leading argument against uh, the Loch Ness Monster being able to survive in the waters off the Scottish Highlands. So basically they're saying that these things can exist in fresh water now and Nessie could be there in, in, in Loch Ness, Rich. And uh, we, be, we could have, although they've sent crafts down who haven't been able to find it, haven't they? They've sent you know submarines and stuff down. What a shock they haven't found Nessie. Well, it could be dead by now, Richard, as well. Like dinosaurs do die, you know? Like it, it oh, may have been a thing. If Nessie was so big, I mean... Surely you must be able to find the bones. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I, I was a big believer in it, but no, I'm not as big believer in it now as I've grown older. But, And I've seen some of the so-called evidence, and it's just totally fake. You know what I mean? Like, it's just so fucking fake. Um, are you a believer in Bigfoot? Because I, I, I know people in the, in the US who are big Bigfoot believers. Do you believe that there's a Bigfoot rolling, rolling around in the hills and stuff? No. What, do you think it's dead or shot or is it just pure, like, doesn't yeah, exist? Never, it never existed. Really? Yeah, I, I'm well, – yeah, okay. If Bigfoot is, is a massive creature, right, mm. and, and it's an animal, then there, had, there would have been a run-in with someone at some point, like – Well, plenty of people like, say they've seen it. I'm talking about an actual, like – What, like, on film – Kind of thing. Yeah, like an attack or... Oh, I see, right. Like, I mean, look, you know, like our bears, you, you'll see bears in people's fucking yeah. houses. Yeah. Or, you know, and pro- like, I just feel like there would have been something Or like roadkill or something like that as well, if it's a civilization, you know? Yeah, I just, yeah, I just don't... As I said, it's weird to me how, as our technology has advanced, mm. the sightings for these things have gotten less and less, let's put mm. it that way. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah. You would think where we live in an age now where we have the best cameras, the best technology, we just get off to find these things that we had so much, quote-unquote, evidence for, mm. you know, like, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago. Well, it's because they didn't exist in the first place. Yeah. Well, yeah. Look, I don't know. I'm just sort of like, 
I hope Bigfoot's out there, but but I'm not. I I, I mean, I'm more I'm more confident in Bigfoot than I am in Loch Ness Monster. I think Loch Ness Monster could do be a media beat up, you know, over the yeah. years. Like the 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 chances of of like dinosaurs still existing, you know what I mean, outside of crocodiles and stuff, which are heavily related to them. Um, it seems small, you know, because we would have seen them. You know what I mean? Like we would have, as you say, the world is a smaller place now. Um, Bigfoot must have, they must be in the most remote regions too, because otherwise why wouldn't people have seen them, you know, in the US? like Maybe it's because we haven't found the entrance to the, the savage land. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, the land of the lost, Rich. Remember the, remember the land of the lost? I was a big fan yeah. of that. Yeah, look, it's not a bad thing for people to believe these things, but like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I have some I, friends. It's, it's okay to like have fun with it and whatever, but uh, I, I do think there's a danger of actually believing like that it is because you know that's the same as believing the world is flat, in my opinion. Ah, well, I mean, if Bigfoot's like a Neanderthal or something, it's you know not supernatural. It's just a kind of like a, a throwback kind of thing. That's how I see it. If there was really Bigfoot, I would imagine he's some sort of evolutionary throwback, basically, like a little colony of Bigfoots. But in which case, I don't understand how we haven't found them. But I believe some sections of the US are very remote. There are some woods that are super remote. But I'm like, surely there's some rangers and staff who go around. You know what I mean? I find it difficult to believe. That's you know, I mean, good God, we can find we can find people's dead bodies you know, that went missing in bloody forests and stuff and all that, and yet mm. we still can't find a fucking Bigfoot. Like, come on. Yeah, okay. All right, well, fair enough. Uh, a black family has sued Sesame Place for discrimination after costume characters ignored the five-year-old goal. We covered this last week, Rich. Well, now that place has been sued. Um, yeah. Frivolous lawsuit, Rich? It feels frivolous oh, to me. This, you can... <laughs> This is why I've said, look, I, as I said, I, I, I believe racism and, and accusations of racism get thrown away, around way too quickly. Now, mm. that's not to say that the person mm. is not an arsehole, mm. but it, it's very hard to prove racism in, in court. Like, you know. Is it? Though? It's not hard if they've got text evidence no, no, and stuff. No. No, again, it, it's, it's hard to prove that the person in that suit. Oh, yeah. Ignore those kids. Based on the footage I saw, based on the footage I saw, I think that you could almost say that they hadn't seen them. You know, just on the footage we saw. You know. Yeah, but but forget about that. Let's just say the person in the suit's a fucking asshole. Hates kids. Mm. Doing this job just because it's the only fucking job they could get. They hate <laughs> the job. They hate kids. Look. Wow. I'm just saying. Like, I've got no problems with with saying. Okay, sure, that could be a thing. Maybe the person is an asshole. Mm. But it's the whole like. No, it must be racism sure. thing that I'm like, how, how could you possibly know that? Well, maybe they've got some, I think there's some talk that potentially the owner of the, uh, whatever you call it, amusement park may have a prior history. I think they're trying to drag that into it as well. Like the owner of the owner park. In the suit. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, look, I don't know. Maybe like, it seems weird. Like, but like, that's why I said, this is going to be very hard to prove. Like, yeah. I, unless that person in the suit, you got them on audio saying, get away from me, you know. Yeah. Throwing you around slurs. Throwing stuff. slurs around, yeah. You, you cannot prove that someone did it out of, like, you, you can't sue for racism unless you actually have 
Yeah, you need you need more than the footage I saw. You would need text evidence, uh, like maybe on text them sort of some, saying some racial stuff. I mean, or if we're being bad at the job, okay. I mean, mm. <laughs> I mean but, I but even still, these people in a, these parades, they can't stop. And I'm not. Def- I'm not. I'm saying they can't stop for every kid. Like honestly, they just cannot. Like they've got to pick and choose kids. This is the life of mascots the world over. You know, there's always going to be kids crying. Like you know, Ronald McDonald didn't. You know. Didn't wave at me, blah blah blah, or that kind of shit. The, 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 everyone gets the, people will get missed all mm. the time. Yeah. Right? you could be lining up to see your your favorite actor trying to get an autograph, and they just they right next to you. They're mm. just right next to you, but they just don't take your piece of paper. Yeah, you know what I mean. They they take everyone else's or or, or everyone around you except you, and then they move on. Mm. That's that's unfortunately that's life. It sucks, but uh, to me though, as well, like it's part of growing up. Like you know, so what. Like I remember back in cricket days, like we'd go to the cricket ground, like people back in those days, like the the cricketers would sign a lot of stuff at the boundary. I don't know if they still do it as yeah. much, but like people would bring little bats, little little bats, like not proper fucking cricket bats, but little bats, and you'd get like a Dennis Lilly or her David Boone or whoever sign a few bats. But like I never got involved in that game because it was always like a gaggle of fucking hyper. Ventilated, yeah, and you're only gonna have time to do like two or three. That's it, like, yeah. I was like, you know, and I, I always, always thought like it's like just calm down a little bit, like you know, like I don't know, like it, there was always like as you say, they, 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 were, I, I still see them do it. They do do a few. The South Africans do it a lot, actually. They do a bit of signing. I've seen quite a few South Africans. I used to see Dale Stain doing quite a bit of signing, you know, um, yeah. but he can't sign the whole fucking ground. You know what I mean? If there's a thousand well, kids if, there, if you're a baseball a, a, a fan in America, mm. you know sometimes they'll throw a ball into the crowd. Yeah. Well, guess what? That's one ball. Yeah, you catch it. Crowd of like you know. And I've seen fights break out over those balls. I've definitely yeah. seen fights break out over those balls. Well, you know that's life, man. You know, unfortunately, sometimes yeah. you're going to get. But now again, I don't know if it is. I don't know whatever. I, as I said, I'm not there. I don't know anything. But I'm just saying it's very hard. It, I mean, good as a good luck with that. Like, seriously, good luck with yeah. with proving like off that video. If that's your evidence, the video. I mean, good luck. <laughs> yeah, I, I tend to you agree know, with you there, man. You I might think. prove that they're bad at their job, but I'm just saying, good luck at like, good luck at proving. Um, yeah, what are you hoping to get out of it too? Like, what, what, what actual, what, but, but what monetary damage are you going to get from your child being ignored by Rosalita? Like. How have you suffered? They're probably hoping for a million. Yeah, but, like, you don't deserve a fucking million. That's what I'm saying. Like, emotional distress of that, fucking here's $10. I really wish that shit would go away. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) oh, uh, emotional stress is worth this much. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah, but that's where they're trying to grind for it because there is no economic loss otherwise. Like, you you don't economically gain anything by Rosalita hugging your kid. There's no actual gain, hence no loss. So it's only emotional damage that they've got. Yes. You know? No, you should only be able to sue for money if if somehow you've lost money. Yeah. Like if someone like uh, affects you in a way that you couldn't earn money, mm. then yes, I could say for, you could put a dollar value to it. But if it's like, yeah, my kid didn't get hugged by the fucking mascot. <laughs> yeah, you, okay, here, here's the refund of your um, your ticket price. I tell you, one of the lamest mascots of all. It's, it's my cricket team that Michelle and I support. The Sydney Sixers, Sixer with his fucking guitar. He's such a loser. 
<laughs> well, I, I'd say Haddon mascots. Actually. Yeah, they do. He's a six. He's a fucking loser. The sixer. We we he, he gets a he gets abused more than he gets loved. <laughs> he had a girlfriend and she just did not want anything to do with him at all. Like you know, sixer just everyone else has got like rocket packs and all this kind of stuff going on. Sixer just runs around. He's just a six. And then they gave him a guitar to try to make him seem more cool. And like, was it a six string guitar? I don't know, but like, it, that was late in the piece. Like, he just was this six running around for ages. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it was pretty funny. Um, yeah, but he, he used to get heckled fairly heavily by Sixers fans. <laughs> um, the final news Tom McFarlane and Jim Lee announced Spawn Batman with Greg Capullo on art. Um, this was announced at San Diego. We may mention this last show. Uh, I think that's interesting that they're going back to it. They obviously did Spawn Batman in the 90s, um, but it was a long time ago. Who's writing? Oh, Tom McFarlane's writing. Okay, right. So Tom well, McFarlane's... I would imagine he's writing if Greg Capullo's doing the art because... Yeah. Unless maybe they share... Well, but they could that's share a good it. Point. Yeah. That's maybe a good point, he, yeah. God will, will maybe do a couple of pages, but the rest will be done. Well, by. I believe Greg Capullo did a lot of Spawn, like a lot, lot of Spawn, like prior yeah. to his Batman. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, because obviously at that time, um, Todd was doing a lot of business stuff. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, He's yeah. a hustler. Yeah. I like Tom yeah. McFarlane. I like, I like his. So as, he was just as, doing the writing and then getting um, uh, uh, Greg to do the art. I'm they, surprised Tom McFarlane. Similar enough that they're both a bit cartoony, so yeah. it wasn't a completely a complete departure from sort of style. Has Tom McFarlane I, I sort of ever farmed out Spawn writing duties? I thought he did early on. Did, has he always written it apart from? I know Alan Moore did a couple of issues and Morrison did a couple, but apart from those very early things, does Tom McFarlane? He did stop writing it, yeah. but it, I think the early was all him. Right. Okay. Wow. I didn't realize that because I mean, isn't it going up to like three hundred now? Or oh something? yeah, it's way up there. Yeah, but it, of course it is. I mean, it started like what ninety two or something, wasn't it? Like early nineties. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he did. He did a lot of the like probably the first hundred, maybe even. Well, I know Alan Moore and Grant Morrison, and I think Neil Gaiman all did little like two, three parters quite early on when he was really selling like shitloads, uh, and he paid a lot of money for it. So, when he was making, I mean, he's always making money hand over fist. But when he was, when Spawn was bringing in big, big, big dollars, he hired like Morrison, Alan Moore, and Neil Gaiman. This is quite early on, um, but I imagine, I just assumed that as the years went by, he sort of would just hire a writer and just get them to do it. But maybe he likes to keep his hand in, like it's his pet character. You know, you know, why wouldn't he want to churn out a comic book yeah. script? Well, I mean, that is his that is his biggest yeah. claim to fame. Well, I mean um, that that that's his creator own, but I mean in terms of McFarlane Toys, I imagine that's where he gets no, most no, of his no, revenue but, from. But McFarlane Toys doesn't happen without Spawn. Sure, sure. But that's the So my point is that is his like. It's true. That's his main thing that has has made him a massive name. Yeah, but now his life would be all business deals, and but he still finds oh, yeah, time every course, month yeah. to write a script. I mean, it wouldn't be that hard for someone of his ability. You know, well, um, he could also technically get a not like a literal ghostwriter, but he could just pen out a outline synopsis and and be like, here, make that as. I I think Tom McFarlane is really cool. How like, and I'm not like his biggest biggest fan, but I do think he's a real success story in in a, in a way. Like he backed himself all the way. 
through all the ups and downs. He has McFarlane toys, like they, you know, he's got the DC um, license. You know, good on him. Yeah, not not just backing himself because I mean, obviously, a lot of people do back themselves, but I think he's made very smart decisions. Yes. Like, yeah. You know, if you look at the, if you look at all the image guys, he's uh, been the most successful. I would say, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, you know Jim, didn't Jim really, Lee. You know, no, but you know, Jim Lee's back working for the man, sure. so to speak. Um, you know, Rob Liefeld is like literally on. You know, he's people will still remember him and he pops his head out every now and again and gets a job here and there. But you know what I mean? He's, yeah. he's not running a business and no. kind of like an empire, like, um, like, like old Todd is. But. Yeah. Uh, the Todd father, as they call him. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Uh, then we have weekly comics. We've actually got something that I'm interested in. It's the Superman versus Lobo hardcover. Um, the Tim Seeley thing. I'm actually going to get this, of course, you know, me, Rich, I, I just can't resist a Lobo, uh, especially a hardcover. Um, I wanted to do, uh, like, you don't want to do Crush and Lobo, do you? You've got a big thing about that. Is that right? We had this discussion once. I, I, I'm happy for you to do it and give it a review, but no. I really don't want to. But, really but would you do, if I get this hardcover, will you do Superman versus Lobo? Is that okay? The, the Tim Seeley thing? That'll be okay. Is that from the black? Is that, from, is that the, the current one? The, the recent, recent one? recent-ish one, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh. Come on, Rich. If I have to choose between the two, yes, you do. Yes, yes you do. I don't want to read either, but yes, okay, I'd rather good. read the Superman. Right. Well, we'll do the Superman versus Lobo at some point in the near future once I have my hardcover in my grimy little hands. Weekly comics, Rich. Um, now, first up, um, I had the privilege. I, I backed Thin Blue Line, um, which is the new Mike Barron um, creator-owned comic. Um, I, I want to say I backed it on Indiegogo and I got my copy... Uh, during the week, and what an absolute pleasure this was. Now, this is basically set during the time of the riots. If you recall, Rich, when they had the riots, um, I want to say it was like Black Lives Matter, but you remember Chaz City and all that stuff? Um, you remember that, Rich, with the fake city at Chaz and the people rioting and causing all that fucking destruction? So anyway... Yeah, um, I do. Writer and creator Mike Barron, pencils Joseph Arnold, who's also a police officer... Um, inks and finishes, uh, Jeff Slamons, um, Butch Geist did a cover and Sergio Carioli. Um, really, really good. I'm going to give this nine out of 10. Now, Richard, I think you will enjoy this. Um, I know you didn't get a chance to read it due to uh, time pressure because, but it's a really good comic. And I said to Mike, I honestly got to the end of it and the art's really good too. So this guy who's, who's, um, the artist, like, you know, his full-time job's a police officer, but his art's excellent, Rich, and really um, kind of grounded and, and fun. Um, it's not – it is said during a riot, but it was less crazy than I expected. It was more sort of something that could actually – like, it is heightened, but it also felt very eerily like something that could have happened during that crazy time period where people are riding all over the place and – Let's not forget the mayor of Portland saying to replace all the um, cops with so, you know, social workers, Rich. Remember that? Um, that colossal misjudgment and defund the police and all that kind of stuff. And But it, it's just a really entertaining read. It's a favourite of mine for the year. I'm giving it 9 out of 10 and the highest recommendation, go to Mike Barron on Facebook. There's a ton of links um, so you can back you, you can you can pick up copies of this. I got the digital file, um, which is available. It only cost me about ten bucks. Money well spent. Really enjoyed it. Always happy to have. We had Mike on 
the show promoting it when he was doing the Kickstarter or the Indiegogo. And, uh, and I'm glad we did because the end product, I was really looking forward to it and it really kind of surpassed my expectations. And I said to Mike, I just need more. That was what I, you know, when you finish reading a comic like this, Rich, and you're just like, I want more. That's a good sign, isn't it? I would say so, yeah. Yeah, man, it was it was good times. And I think you'll enjoy it, Rich, when you get around to reading it. Now, in um, I must admit, I forgot <laughs> my own weekly comic that I put in, uh, Wolverine Patch 4. Uh, Rich, you want to give us the rundown on this one? Um, yeah, uh, nothing. Mm. Uh, Nothing like really happens in it. <laughs> it's a lot of action. Mm. Um, basically, it's um, Wolverine versus like three different armies. Okay. Um, uh, so he he starts off and he's fighting the Yakuza and he basically takes them apart. And then mm. the, the other bad guys come in: the Russian chick, the prince dude, and the Chinese general or whatever. Or the the uh, is it China? I think it's China. Um, or it could be Korean. They come in and they sort of like he kind of gets them to sort of take each other out mm-hmm. um, because again they don't trust each other anyway. So they all think they've been like the other ones betraying them, and so he causes some confusion. Mm-hmm. The other two Russian uh, mutants that he was helping, they sort of come in to help him. Mm-hmm. Nick Fury rocks up with his man droids. Mm. whatever and then it's uh to be continued so right like it's a bit of progression in the story but it's mainly just like full-on action wolverine just killing a lot of people out of 10 rich where are you um I'm, i give it an eight out of ten just because it was just a fun action issue mm. of, of the story and uh um but it it progresses the story a little bit, but this is just a full on like this is just this is Wolverine being the predator, good, good, <laughs> and everyone else is Dutch and, and his unit <laughs> just getting wiped out by like, um, yeah, by by Wolverine. He's just uh, you know it shows how smart he is, how cunning he is, mm. and, and how dangerous he is. So, Cause sounds cool. Well, I'll definitely read it, and I'll report back next week. But to out of ten, Rich, where are you? I gave it an eight. Eight. Eight out of ten. Okay, cool. Uh, then we had Hawk the Slayer. Now, Hawk the Slayer, I don't know if you've ever seen this, Rich, was kind of a, a low I budget. I did see this movie back in the day because it was another one of those 80s movies. It was an 80s Hockey movie. 80s. And Garth Ennis uh, and Henry Flint came on uh, from 2000 AD fame. Uh, and obviously Garth Ennis from, you know, lots of fame, uh, from All Preacher, uh, Hitman, uh, Punisher, etc. Uh, what did you think, Rich, of Hawk the Slayer one and two? Um, pretty good actually. Um, yeah. the art fluctuates a little bit. Sometimes I found some of the pages were a bit too cluttered. Mm. Um, but when it wasn't cluttered, it was pretty good. Mm. Um, it's an interesting story so far. Um, um, yeah, it's it's it was kind of cool. Like it was. I didn't know what to expect, and I didn't love it. Like, don't get me wrong, I didn't love it, but it was interesting. You know, I was like, yeah, this, is, this isn't this is too bad. Now, that may be damning with faint praise, you know, because mm. I, I didn't love love it. Like, uh, you know, the artwork was cool. The storyline was a little sort of thin for me, but it was okay. You know, like, uh, it's solid six. Here's my issue with, with it. Mm. I feel like this should have been released as a complete graphic novel 
trade. Right. I this if I was reading this from month to month, yeah, I it probably wouldn't. I I, I will be honest. It probably wouldn't keep my interest. Yeah, I'd probably forget about it. Yeah, but if I feel like it's interesting enough that if you had just released it as a trade or as a graphic novel, yeah. I would have read it in one go and gone, yeah, it's pretty good. Oh, it was an interesting story, you yeah. know, very similar to like the, mo well, uh, the movie. I, I recognize the character from it. I probably would have been interested to read this probably as a graphic novel. Mm. I probably would not have, because there's just, I, I don't think there's enough there from issue to issue. I agree. It's kind of quite slow. I did like the way they recapped everything because I don't know if I've ever seen the full film. I've certainly seen a bit of it, but they recapped it succinctly so that I wasn't lost. You know, like, I think that was important to do at the start of the comic, you know, give a recap so listeners or readers could go, yeah, okay, cool, we know what's going on yes, here. Yes and no. Mm. I mean, I, I think I'm more of a fan of um, maybe do it piece by piece. Mm. Like, maybe have characters reveal things mm. that happen in the trip. I don't think I need, like, seven pages of recapping the movie mm. um I, I do think that can be a detriment you know if you can't if you can't tell it in like two pages mm. maybe spread it out throughout the story where you can have flashbacks or or fill in the stuff just so that you can keep the story go mm. um because i i as someone who has seen the movie and is familiar with it uh those like i think it was seven pages if i'm right those seven pages was like jesus christ like i'm seven pages in and i'm still we're still recapping the movie yeah <laughs> so, yeah I would have preferred maybe a bit of a recap and then maybe the rest of the information spread out. Um, but that's just me. Like maybe some everyone else would have preferred just to get the recap up front and move on. I don't know. Look, I mean, I I appreciate it because I I, I remember nothing really other than just the basic concept. It was like a fantasy thing, and you know, from the eighties. So look, but I enjoyed it. I. I I kind of agree. This came out from Rebellion, who were the owners of 2000 AD. Uh, obviously, mm. it had a 2000 AD artist in in um, in Henry Flint and obviously Garth Ennis doing it, potentially a bit of a passion project. But I just felt, I yeah, I if they put this out as a graphic novel, I think it might actually be better. You know, like I don't know why they always think they need to do things monthly. You know, why not just put it out as one package in a hardback kind of thing. Yeah, well, this is where I say, like, I think one of the reasons why manga, mm. but also, you know what I've been getting into a lot lately? I've been looking into a lot of um, uh, French. Yeah. Uh, French comics. Um, and, and I'm trying to make a list of some of the, you know, because we've done, you know, obviously I'm familiar with Smurfs, Asterix, mm. um, Tintin, and all that sort of stuff. But remember, we did the Lucky Luke. Stuff, oh yeah, yeah. But um, I'm looking into a lot of like classic French stuff and even some new. There's a new one that I'm going to recommend in one week. It's called The Undertaker. It's a okay. Western. Yeah, uh, about an undertaker, um, which looks. But a lot of those tend to um, like like France does have like their monthly issues and all this sort of stuff. But they also just do like a graphic novel, mm. and and mangas generally do. It's a longer story. But it comes out in like a graphic for uh, a graphic novel format where you get like you know yeah it comes in those little books yeah but like right. that's a lot of it's a, it's a lot to read you get a full mm. chapter you know you get a a full almost like story arc in it in a sense mm. Mm. um so I I honestly think you're writing for the trade anyway yeah 
You know what I mean? A lot of comics now, especially Marvel and DC, the writers are writing for the trade. Yeah. So I just feel, just put the fucking trade out. Like, forget this whole monthly nonsense. You got a Batman story? Do it. Put it out. Put it out. There's a trade. Yeah, but that's, we, 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 we've covered this why they don't do that, because they're in the pockets of the comic book shops, which rely on the weekly business, basically. Yeah, but the comic book shops would still sell the the the, the trades. You'd be having trades come out fairly often yeah. because you want your high turnover, so they would still have things to sell. They would still be selling trades. And But here's the thing. This is what I think... Uh, people will still go to a comic shop, right? Because, mm. one, that will be the higher abundance of trades right sure. so yeah you're not gonna you're not gonna get like a lot of necessarily a lot of trades at like maybe a little bookshop or mm. you know but maybe some of the supermarkets might have a trade or two here you know they make it a money but if someone gets interested they're gonna go to a place that sells it a lot but another benefit that a comic book shop has is they can also sell you the old stuff maybe they are some you know they mm. still got the back issues mm. maybe you want to get into collecting back issues or you're an older you want to buy the figurines the yeah the collection oh yeah there's a lot of paraphernalia yeah. so this oh. this monthly comic thing I, I don't i just don't see the benefit of it anymore comic book shop, shops can still survive with trades and mm. statues and figurines and collectibles and even back issues for god's sake well you, know you look I mean? at, if you look at sydney for example in kenna they only do trades and i mean they're killing it you know they do trades in manga and it's a massive portion of their bookstore it's a huge portion of their store um they don't even bother with the single issues you know whereas and if you go in direct comparison you go to king's their trade selection is smaller which i think mm. is an absolute crime yeah, because you know? they have to make room for all the bloody monthly comics. Yeah, but like I think they're leaving money on the table because I I, 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 I genuinely but think. Order, but that's the thing. I don't know if it's the comic book shops will be holding to mm, Marvel. Uh, they say as, as, as uh, uh, Marvel's not beholden to the comic book stores. I think the comic shops. I'm sure the comic book stores would probably love to just stock trades. Yeah, uh, because then they could have more room for some manga stuff. They get more room for trades. They get rid of all this shitty crap that they got to order in every month mm. and then try and price out or put in a bargain bin or get rid of every month i'm sure they would probably love to just have a trade like just have a collection of trades and just order trades as to replace or as but if i'm running a comic book store and, and like uh, you know and, and believe you me this is all just theoretical but if someone's like um saying if no one's buying Ironheart, let's just say there's an Ironheart, and no one is they don't have to order it do they they don't have to order those that they don't have to order one of every Marvel book, do they? If they're getting no pre-orders, no, no, nothing. But the problem comes in where, let's say, you do have a couple of people that, that do, for some yeah. reason, read Ironheart. They may have to order a certain amount. Yes, right. Uh, yeah, minimum. Yeah, okay. You know what I mean? So they might only have maybe three people, but now they've got to order like 20. Yeah, yeah. Because maybe that's you. the minimum order or something. And then so, they wind up with the stock that they can't return and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. Whereas um, I, I believe, and I know you've worked in bookstores, if you bought, say, some some horror author, you know, or let's say a film came out, and of course, when a film comes out, they always release the book, you know, like they, you know, they, they, they re-release it, yeah, re-release so book, movie but, cover, and all but that let's sort of let let's say the film comes out and it bombs, and the book doesn't sell particularly well, and you're stuck with a whole lot of you know, this book, you know, that just didn't sell because the movie was a giant bomb and it didn't ignite the audience. You can return those, can't you, um, for at, like, cost price or something? Is that right? 
Uh, not always, no. No, but sometimes to the publisher, yeah? Um, sometimes you can return like maybe some of it uh-huh. and get like a credit. Yes, right. But it really just it, not it, always. Depends, okay. Yeah, it really depends on the deal because there's different book yeah, um, publishers um, and stuff, publishers and all that sort of stuff, and all of them have their own little. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. No, that's the kind of thing I was wondering. Like, yeah, I was, I was, I was always wondering that. I, I thought you could kind of return them and get a partial credit kind of thing, not for the full well, value. You can. Like, you know. So generally, I so a lot of the times you can, but that's because they will then turn around and sell that shit to a. Um, uh, a, a book outlet that sells yes cheap books. So, for instance, um, you could have like what they call uh, the cheapy table, or yeah, you, your business model is you you buy a so you return it to the publisher, right? The uh-huh. publisher gives you a credit. The publisher then turns around and sells it to as uh, uh, maybe a smaller chain or like a a little bookstore that that sells super cheap books, right? Uh-huh. So they'll buy all that up for cheap, and then they'll sell it for like ten bucks. Yeah, or eight bucks or something like that, and that's how them. So, it's a bit of turnover, but it's basically just moving it to a clearance outlet. Yeah, right. So they take it back, and then whereas I think with Marvel and DC, they don't they they take it back, and they basically just like if they pulp do it. take it back, they, it. they would just pulp it. So, yeah. it's it's a different it's a different model. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. Uh, yeah, it would, would be challenging. Uh, like, uh, I mean, this is why you see a lot of um, and and I'll be honest, I I I, I at times am critical of of some of the recent decisions at King's. I, I think that there's a lot of clutter in that store that isn't selling. I I, I think that their older store that they had uh, on Pitt Street, I, I believe they had more stuff that was selling, you know, that was more attractive. I think the direction they've gone now, it's almost trying to lean into like a YA, YA audience. And I think they've gotten less figures and they've gotten less sort of, it, I don't feel that their supplemental stuff is as attractive. I think they've got some clutter in the store that if I was going to remodel the store, I would seriously have a look at. That's not taking anything away from their books on the shelves, but I don't know if you've been in there, Rich, but I, I, I sense that there's some opportunities there to sort of make it a bit more profitable. Not, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't super impressed with with, uh, with, with King kings when i went down there when they because where they've moved now to recently um yeah to the real uh, the new store yeah it's mm. i don't know i just i just think that they need to make a few changes there because the last time i was in there i was thinking man you're really kind of burying kind of the lead you know you know like and i also thought that their trade selection was frankly a little lackluster you know um, if I'm being 100 percent honest, I, I say this. I mean, I love Kings, and I and I, but I, I, I say this saying, I think that they could make some adjustments, um, really, and because at the end of the day, it is a business, and if you've got stuff on the shelves that just aren't shifting, you know what I mean. If you've got a whole section devoted to, let's say, movie art, okay, and I'm using it as an example, if, if if that just isn't shifting, and you've got it at the front of your store. Why? You know, it's a waste. Put stuff there. Because one thing they do do well is they put attractive stuff that's in the store actually at the window. And I think that they, the person who does that puts stuff that grabs your eye. But when you go in the store, I don't feel like the same level of sort of um, immediate sell-through stuff is there, if you know what I mean. Um, you've got to make a store attractive when you go in to like, oh, wow, there's cool. There's lots of cool shit here. Yeah, okay. And whereas I walk into there right now and I'm like, wow, there's some fucking 
random sort of YA stuff here, and I'm not sure that that's selling tons, you know? Um, well, it's hard to say. With it, I mean, without seeing their books and and mm. what they move in, it's going to be very hard yeah, to, yeah, uh, to, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, true. To, to know, you know, what what is it? Are they doing something wrong? Or if that is that just what's selling? And we're just, you know, we're mm. not in the... We're not in the know anymore. We're not in the loop. Well, yeah. I, well, I, you, know, you remember yeah. what Grandpa Simpson said? He's like, I used to be with it, and then it changed, and now I don't know what it True. is. True. But my, 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 my thing isn't so much about the content. It, it's almost the design. You know, it, it almost like you walk in there, and it's like, what are you actually trying to sell me? You know, it doesn't feel like – it also well, feels like they used to have a lot they're more. They're probably trying to sell you a bit of everything. That's yeah. they, They're trying to uh. – this is the problem where, because they're not a massive store, right? No. Um, I mean, they're, they're fairly big, but I mean, let's be honest, uh, uh, Kunakia, like, um, mm. the, fucking blow them out the water in terms of, like, just floor space and yeah. how much they keep. But, so they're not big. So the problem is, if you're not big, you if you try and keep a little bit of everything, then all you'll have is a little bit of everything. Mm. So unless you've got a bigger shop, I think maybe you need to maybe just focus on what makes you money. And, mm. and just unfortunately not worry about the stuff that doesn't. You well, totally. may lose customers, but rather you got to go with what makes is making you the most. What's money. the best store? Because because I I still think Kings down at um when they were down on Pitt Street uh Pitt Street I, I was in uh, in my top three stores I'd ever been in. My favorite ever store was one in Hawaii that we went to, and I'll find the name. I went to that one. Yeah, it was in a, it was, it was called like Mystic Dreams or something, wasn't it? it was yeah, a, yeah, I went to that one. It was, uh, it was down the road from the hotel that I stayed in. Yeah, well, that was a good one, and like, that was a really good store. Now, that was quite similar to the old King store. That was actually quite similar design to the old King store, but it also had a high, the, the thing it had was a high role-playing uh, gaming section. It, they really invested in that. And and I really I, I want to find out what it's called because it was worth mentioning. But but see the old Kings was quite similar in design to that. They had more floor space. I feel where they are now, they feel a bit crammed in. And also the problem is it's two levels, and so yeah, it's it's a bit of a pain in the ass to go. You know, when you just want to be able to walk around and look at everything, you're like, oh, let me go check if it's downstairs. And well, it's weird because downstairs is is their um. Downstairs. It's a back issue, but they've also got their trades. And yeah, all that yeah, stuff. it's like yeah, that's statues down there as well. Yeah, so. it's that's the weird thing. It's like, what's downstairs? Oh, it's 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 back issues. I'm like, okay, I don't want back issues. Where are your omnibuses? Oh, they're downstairs. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. it seems odd that you don't, you know, like why are they downstairs? <laughs> like, well, because it's split. They, again, they probably, as I said, that's probably the best they can do. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, but I, I, I say this out of love for them. I just feel that there's some design changes they could make, which would probably make it a bit more attractive. Um, because at the end of the day, it's all about making money. I'm just trying to find this. Well, put it this way: this is why more people are buying online. Because here's the thing: I can go to, like, say, Amazon, right, mm. and I can find anything I want there. Mm-hmm. But if I go into a shop. To look at stuff, they will they won't have even half the shit that I can find on Amazon. And that's sure. the biggest problem, you know. When you want to just browse and see all the stuff you could buy, it's very hard to go into a physical shop now because they'll only have a fraction of yeah, what's actually true, available. True. Other Realms is the name of the store in yes. uh, in Hawaii. And 
I still think that's if I have to mark and Kings is up there, but I I think that they're the ultimate that I'd be in because they had a really big comic book section, really big trade section, and then they had a whole section devoted towards uh, role playing games, D and D, and other yeah. games. You know, I remember that. Yeah, they had gaming room as well. They had a, they had a room where people could go in and play those games. See, I I think that that kind of stuff is actually really kind of very interesting because there is a in um. Sydney and around the same block, you've got things like Good Games um, and that place Dion goes where he plays his Infinity and all that stuff. Like, it's a, it's a, there's a whole role-playing community um, and tabletop community. Um, you know, if you could incorporate that into your store, then you've got the people in the store buying things. And I just feel that that... I don't know. It would take a bit. It would take it. It would take them to do a rethink of their business, and I understand that's difficult after they spend a lot of time renovating. But I do think that it's it's probably something worth considering. You know, mm-hmm. uh, maybe if you put in the downstairs section, put some role playing games and stuff as well to sell as well. You know, give people more of an incentive to go downstairs. You know. Um, well, I would say first do one thing well first sure. before you start branching out. Because, again, otherwise you get to the point where you're trying to do too many things sure. and then you have a little bit of everything, a, a little bit of nothing instead of yep. a lot of something. So, yeah. you know, because w- once you make money, you can always then grow or expand or whatever, but you can't start off mm. expanding. You know what I mean? Like you can't try and go, okay, well, we'll get 10% of this, 10% of this, 10% of this, 10% no. of this. Like you can't do that. You need to. You need to get like – 70 to 80 percent of something and then you can gradually shift the market or see what you know like get what's selling first make that money and then grow yeah and they're surrounded by competitors like they're surrounded by good games and all those other places but 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 i don't know to me they were always a big competitor in their own right and i just wonder if they've if they've got the current sort of foot traffic and i do encourage listeners like they are a good store, and if you're in Sydney, they're well worth a visit, and it's well worth going in. Like, there's a lot of value in the store. I, I'm I'm talking about improvements to what is a good and promising store, and um, I used to love walking in there, and um, they had a whole wall of figures, you know, mm. and I was always well, looking through those figures. My my favorite one was actually uh, uh, Comic Kingdom. Yeah, before it really Not- went to shit. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we as I said, we, this is over twenty years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but they were really good uh, because they were massive. Like yeah. they had like two massive levels, and one level was just all back issues. Yeah, and like the bottom level where you you came in, that was all the new stuff, right? So when you came in and all the monthly new stuff and all that, that was in the first level, and then if you wanted back issues and stuff and all that, they were in a different area. Like, but they were they, they were bigger than Kings. Like, they had much more floor. Yeah, like, yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah. Over the years, levels, it, it, it kind of went like went to it, shit. It went a bit shit, and then yeah. eventually ended up closing. Well, I remember where when I went there because I discovered them before Kings. So I I went there, and at at that point, I went there, and this could have been a very particular moment in time when you went upstairs, up the creaky stairs. That's where they had all the new stuff, and downstairs was kind of like a bomb hit it. Like downstairs was just, it was back issues, but it was just random crap as well. Like, yeah, yeah, I think that's after they made the changes and started going. Yeah, yeah. Uh, upstairs was was reasonable, you know, like it was it was what I would call professional. But the first time I and it was good. I mean, I I I bought many 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 issues of Green Lantern, Justice League, and um 
Well, that, that uh, was where I got a lot of my back issues from here in yeah, Australia. Yeah, was, was from Kingdon. You know, they were good. But the first time I walked into Kings at Pitt Street, I remember thinking, this is exactly how I want a store to be. It was professional. It was bright. I felt like I was in a proper store, not just like a dungeon. Uh, oh, I, you here's know. the thing. I didn't mind. I See, I don't mind the dungeon as much because um, my, my, my biggest problem with King, and which is what they're trying to change now, mm. they felt too clean and corporate. <laughs> when when I first went to King, you know what I mean. Well, I it liked that. Like, I liked that. No, see, that wasn't mean. But Kings now, they tried to make it look like that. You know, have that sort of downstairs dungeon. You know, brick and mortar sort right. of shop, and not, not so clean. You know what I mean? Not so bright and clean, and yeah. white tiles and stuff, and all that. Maybe so. that's what I miss. See, that's maybe. Yeah, because I I loved that about the old Kings that it was so bright, and when I went in there. And I just, I, I felt it was sort of spacious and I felt like they had more room. Whereas where they are now, it all feels a bit, I'm a bit pokey upstairs, you know, like I'm a little bit like, I don't know, I'm just not as comfortable. Look, I get what they were going for, but I think they needed to find, uh, they needed bigger space to what they were for, for what they were trying to do. I think they, the space they got was maybe a bit too small for what they were trying to do. Yeah, well, it, it, I mean, they've got enough room that they can change these things. I think I, 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 I think they should, uh, honestly. Yeah, it's interesting. So have have we have we done the we haven't done the trade of the weekend, have we, Rich? No, if we, no. I don't know how we got on the topic of we got, we got stuck on kings. <laughs> <laughs> so introduce us to the the trade of the week, Rich. Um, was an interesting yes. one. Yeah. So um, I actually remember this from my youth. So um, I went with uh, Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, uh, Volume One, which wow. was. I discovered Cadillacs and Dinosaurs back in the day when it was a arcade game. It was a really? side-scrolling um, really? beat-em-up game like like the X-Men and Ninja Turtles and all that. Before this comic or what? No, after the comic. Oh, okay, um, right. And then it, there was also it was it, it got turned into a cartoon show as well, but unfortunately really? it was only one season, which is why I, I forgot about that. But there's a YouTube channel I watch called um, Toy Galaxy, right? Uh -huh. And they basically just go through toys and, and cartoon shows from the past. Sure. And they were doing um, Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, the cartoon show. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, I bloody remember this. But what I didn't know was that it was based on comic books. Right. So I knew about the cartoon show and I knew about the game because I played that. You know, I I, I was a massive side-scrolling beat-em-up junkie you love um, that stuff, Rich. You still you still my, love that stuff. What are you talking about? Oh Wars? yeah, yeah. Th those were no, but I mean not as much. I mean, when I went to the arcade, I I looked for all double of it. dragon, like, Rich. I, double dragon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played double dragon. I played obviously the Ninja Turtles. I played the X Men games. Yeah. I played this. I played the Predator versus Aliens one. Um, oh, there's, there's probably more that I've even forgotten about that I've played. But anyway, so I saw there was a comic book, so I thought, oh shit, I'm gonna do this on the show. Like sure. I'm gonna find, I'm gonna find what the collections are and all that sort of stuff. Um, now it started off, Calyx and Dinosaurs is actually a continuation um, of the original comic that uh, was called Xeno uh, uh, Xenozonic Zenozoic. Right. Tales. Okay, right. Uh, which was done by um, Mark Schultz, and uh -huh. then, um, then it sort of got uh, uh, continued as Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, I guess. I know, see, because they always say the Xenozo Xenozoic era or something, don't they? Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting premise. It's obviously, it's after the great catastrophe, you know, post-apocalyptic. But in this world, somehow the dinosaurs have returned. Yes. And the human race isn't uh, as technologically savvy no. as, as, as they used to be. Although there is the main character, he basically fixes Cadillacs. He's the mechanic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he drives them around in this period and he's a bit of a, like a, a hunter, you know, um, uh, safari type guy as well. One with nature, even though he loves Cadillacs and all that yeah. sort of stuff. And there's a woman from another island. Yes. The, the Wazoon, I think they're called. Yes. comes over and there's, you know, they've kind of got like that, like. Love, um, hate kind of chemistry. Anim yeah, like the sort of animosity that obviously is going to, you know. Potentially get romantic. And, and, yeah. and learn more about each other kind of thing and all that. Um, but I really enjoyed it because I got the each issue. It it felt like a a, a newspaper. Um, oh, strip. very much, very much like a newspaper strip. I felt you know, um, and so like the first twenty pages would be part of the story, but then there'd be some backup story. Yeah, just uh, quite quite random stuff actually. Oh, some stuff um, that was like just just I guess world building. You know, just you know filling in more of the wacky shit that goes on in this world, but. A uh, fantastic art. Uh, I really love the art. My, uh, uh, Mark Schultz's art in this is is really fantastic. Art was guess, art was a key strength. I felt. Um, yeah, composition um, was a again, key strength. It would have been, and this would have been even perfect in black and white as well. Like yeah, the art yeah, is so yeah, strong yeah. and striking yeah. that um, that you could have done this in black and white. Wouldn't and surprise me if he had a cartoon background, uh, like a you know from the from the from the, from the uh, newspapers. Well, he's done a fair. Uh, Mark Schultz has actually done a fair bit of like Conan and all that sort of stuff. Okay. And, yeah. And no, so I, I like his visuals. So he probably has done a lot of black and white. I yeah. think he's done a lot of black and white art in his career, actually, and okay. that's why you could you could tell because you know, this is what I say: whenever someone someone who draws black and white, they mm -hmm. tend to add a lot of shadow. Mm -hmm. They use a lot of black and and that can be hard to color mm. because then you can't you can't put as much variety in like the 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 color because you know how like you know when your skin's in shade in shadow or mm. but overcast it can be a two-tone or a three-tone type thing and all that but anyway I, I loved the art i thought the art was fantastic i thought it had very interesting characters i liked the world and the idea of it and i really enjoyed that i'm actually going to there's only two volumes of it uh, but i also want to go and look at the old um what's it the computer the, game xena xenozoic tales mm. which she started in the 80s because i think this was done in the 90s i think and it's mid 80s of... i think this is mid 80s um I, well i, I, I know xenozoic started in the 80s yes okay and i know right. this one through went through to the 90s i believe okay all right um okay so look it was interesting um and i really enjoy the premise and i really like the artwork i did feel as as soon as i started reading it, i was like oh okay and it was very reminding me when I was young. Uh, I either got gifted, yeah, I probably gifted um, my it was my dad's comics that he had, like in sort of like hardback um, comics um, from like the fifties um, when he was a kid, uh, and they were, a lot of them were World War Two adventure tales. You know what I mean? I mm -hmm. saw a really strong thematic. Uh, an execution even similarity and in fact if you hadn't if i hadn't known 
that this was like late 80s, 1990. I would have thought this was from like the 60s or something. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean that it was an old school adventure yarn. Um, and which, frankly, I, I don't mind. I mean, it's not, you know, I mean, yeah, I would modernise it and I would do different things. But I was like, this is what it is. It's an adventure yarn. Um I did like the world building. I really liked the visuals. I, in fact, felt he could have done a bit more with the dinosaurs um, in terms of the stories. But it had, you know, like it was old-fashioned, and old-fashioned doesn't mean bad. It just means it's it's from another era. And this is it actually felt actually, like a callback. For me these days, if someone says old-fashioned, I just automatically think it's good. <laughs> well, look, can, can, pair, can pair what this guy is doing in – you know, his main story was so often sometimes not even 20 pages. What he's doing in 20 pages compared to what they do now in 20 pages, he's getting through so much more and mm. in a more interesting fashion. So he's he's knocking a lot of the, you know, current, like, Marvel writers especially out of the water. But they're a low bar. It's old-fashioned, um, and it did feel like your dad's comics, but I didn't mind it because I don't mind a bit of that. But... I I'd had it like I read six issues and I thought, oh god, this is going to be a grind. But I did get through it actually quite quickly today. I read it and I enjoyed it. I mean, it was it was kind of fun. I was I I would like a modern interpretation by a good writer, you know, because I think that the the building blocks are there for a very decent story. I I don't think there's anything wrong with the uh, you know the concept. And I think that the world he built was really interesting. And, um, and I mean, look, I've got a soft spot because I read those comics when I was young and they were from another era. I enjoyed them, though. You know, I was like, I, I like a bit of old-fashioned. You know what I mean? Like, it's like reading The Phantom. The Phantom isn't cutting-edge modern comics, but it's good stuff. You know, good Phantom stories are good stuff. Uh, mm. Do you, you know what I mean? Like, there's something attractive about them. Now... I wouldn't put this on the top level as when I read used to read the Phantom in the in the newspaper. I was like, man, this is great stuff. But this was of that ilk. It was of that genre. Um, I wouldn't put it as high as the Phantom, but the Phantom's like the tippy top. I think this is mid tier. Um, well, this is definitely as you say. This is definitely tapping into those old, like uh, as you say, those nineteen fifties, sixties pulp uh, heroes. Yeah. Um, but just set in a completely bizarre world. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's it's in the line with, like, your Pulp Heroes, your Doc Sampsons, exactly. um, all that sort of stuff, but it's just in this ridiculous, like, world of Cadillacs, you know, and dinosaurs where, you know, humans are now living um, in this really savage land, but they still have some technology, you know what I mean? Like they, Yeah, they've they, got they, a civilization. They're, they're not living in huts or anything. They're still living in the cities. It's just that they don't quite know how to... Like run everything, you know what I mean? Like it's um, it, it's it's primitive meets modern, all that. But look, I, I like uh, the one thing I liked about it is that each issue mm. felt not self-contained because it is obviously they did run. They did, I, I liked the way he ran them. He he completed the story, so it was episodic, but he left a breadcrumb for the next issue. Yeah, so there, there, there is an adventure that happens in each issue, mm. which is all building towards something. Mm. But I like that there's a story. You know what I mean? It's not just. It's not like oh, to be continued. And the it's each issue has its own adventure. Yes, and so you get a you get a payoff at the end of each one for that and whatever adventure they went on. 
You know what I mean? Uh, totally. Which I, I enjoyed that as well. Um, yeah. And I liked so, when uh, they met the lizards under that, you know, the telepathic lizards or yeah. whatever they were. That was cool. And they, 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 they communicate with uh, Scrabble tiles. Yeah. Like that was cool. <laughs> like that was actually cool. I, I thought that was cool. It reminded me of Land of the Lost. Um, mm-hmm. And like the moles that were under the city and stuff. Like there, there were some really cool concepts and, it was it was old fashioned and it was a bit of a but it was it was kind of entertaining for that aspect you know like that was actually I think part of its appeal because it didn't try to hide the fact that it was coming from an earlier time period in terms of its influence and its execution I'm sure it was quite a deliberate thing and 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 they committed to it like when you do that I want people to commit to it you know it's like doing a bit commit to the bit. Um, and they did. It didn't feel like something that was written in like 1989. It, it felt like it came from an earlier era. Uh, interesting. Well, I mean, that's definitely what he was tapping into. Just you know, just yeah. like George Lucas when he was doing Star Wars, says I was you know, yeah, I was tapping into the Flash Gordon and those sure. old sort of serials. I think when he was doing this, he was definitely um, tapping into, as I said, that sort of the, the pulp action. Doc Hero Savage, like the, yeah, the kind of the adventurer in the jungle with the machete, that now, kind of I stuff. I will say this. If, if anyone is interested in checking out the cartoon, you can actually watch the entire season on YouTube. Okay. Uh, it's on a channel called um, Retro Rerun. Okay, cool. Uh, and you can actually cool. find all the episodes on YouTube. And it's uh, can I tell you something? It's such a shame that this got cancelled after one season because the art in it, the, the animation in it is fucking superb what and what era is it rich like what year is that like is that early 90s or, or what? yeah yeah the, the the cartoon came out like mid to late 90s i think so this was originally this comic and then it got turned into a video game and a cartoon right yes oh, okay so it was reasonably successful at least in getting some multimedia stuff going yeah for, for, a, for a while it, it had uh yeah it, it had a bit of a splash but uh just didn't um have the legs unfortunately. Ah, interesting well look i'm gonna give it a seven uh and and it was an interesting pick i i, I sometimes wonder how you pick these things but you explained yourself and um uh, and you did have a memory of it so well done richard i think you've plucked something that i never would have even known existed and you gave me a good read today while I was uh, sitting down with my cup of coffee thinking, what's Rich brought me this time? <laughs> <laughs> like, And I got to the first page, I was like, oh, I see, we're going old school. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, all right, fair enough. And uh, I got stuck in. I read it in one sitting. It was, it was quite a pleasant read, really. I mean, oh, it, it flows quite... quickly because um, the, the stories don't overstay their welcome. No. So, like, basically, each issue, there's technically, I think, about 30 to 33 pages. but the the main story is only about twenty yes ish pages and then there's just a little backup story. yes and there's a few ads and stuff at the end yeah and, uh, and let me yeah. tell you something even one of the backup stories is literally about a dog I like that story that was a good storyline how about <laughs> the one I mean? where the big fat guy who was going to try to kill him and then the guy has a heart attack and then gets picked clean by the in the dinosaurs they yeah. find his skeleton oh. yeah I like the story about the the, the one with the mammoth yes where they end up they end up being saved by its carcass. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't flood. Even though it was even though like they were trying to trap it and then it was chasing them to kill them and then uh, it was it was funny how they ended up that the bones of that mammoth actually ended up saving them from like a massive storm and all that. Yeah, stuff. no, it was a good one. So what are you giving it out of ten, Rich? 
Uh, for me, it's a it's a nine out of ten. But only wow, wow, nine. Yeah, but I, I love this sort of stuff, man. You do love this kind of stuff, don't you, Jesus? Like, why don't you just go start picking Biggles? You know, <laughs> don't tempt me, mate. I don't know you're me. you're not far away. I used to read Biggles when I was in primary school. I read most of Biggles, uh, of what like um, yeah, I I read pretty much consistently Biggles from. The big first Biggles to the last Biggles. <laughs> I used to if, love Biggles. If they were making comics like this today, I would still be collecting comics. Oh, yeah, dude. They, they should do more of this kind of stuff. Like, I, I think um, uh, Rick Remender, when he did Fear Agent, I think was drawing a lot of pulp stuff and mixing it with a modern sensibility, and I think he did that very successfully. And he that was, again, I, I've heard multiple interviews. He did that against the tide of, popular opinion like that comic was not selling but he just kept persisting till he got to a point where it, where it actually sold really well and trade paperbacks years after but like the actual process of him getting that comic to market it it was it was torturous you know what i mean like it's it's weird like i i sometimes think the audience doesn't know what it wants kind of thing and then years later, they, they read the collections and go, oh, this is brilliant. Like, And he's like, yeah, where were you 10 years ago? Thing. Um, I actually agree with you. Now, this is the funny thing. The audience doesn't know what they want, right? Mm. But they do know what they don't want. Mm. So he, that, whenever the – you've got to be very careful with, like, market stuff and all that because if you give, some, if you give people something that's good, yeah. they'll want it. But if you give them something bad, they don't. So you know what I mean? So they know what's bad or yeah. what's not good or whatever. But it doesn't mean that you can't try and give them something that they don't even know that they want. Yeah. But yeah. if you fail, you've got to be willing to say, okay, yep, the people don't want this. Well, this is the thing. I also think as well, like the sheer quantity of stuff out there, competition, it, it can be, you know, for some of these creators, it can be hard to launch a sustainable book. Rick Remender sustained his book at substantial financial hardship because he had a vision for what he wanted, you know, and he underwrote the cost of it, blah, blah, blah. But it's tough, you know, like things don't just naturally by being good don't naturally become gigantic hits. A lot of them are become cult favorites later it's on. Luck, it's, it's marketing. Yeah, it's exactly. Um, you know, it's a lot of stuff. But, but what I'm saying is that if you never take the chance, oh sure, because you're like, well, we don't know if the customer will like this. Well, if you make it good, oh, and yeah. somehow you may not be successful right then and there, mm. but you 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 could have later success just because you took that chance. Totally. Like as I said, the biggest example is the thing. John Carpenter's the thing. Great movie. Bombed. Every critic hated it. Said it was it was the worst, terrible movie. It's now regarded as. A classic, one of classic. the best movies ever made. So, yeah. you know, you got to be willing to take that risk. It may not pay off for you now, mm. but it could pay off for you in the future. Totally true, Rich. Very wise words. Now, um, so that was Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. Um, I have a selection for next week because we've got Stephen Grant coming on the show on the 13th of August. And so I'm picking a Stephen Grant um, uh, graphic novel called Badlands. Um, Richard, which we will we will do um, from I think the nineties, and I believe it has stuff to do with the Kennedy assassination and stuff. So it's meant to be really good. I, I've heard I've heard good things about it. I haven't really researched it, but I, I do want to do a Stephen Grant book because I'm also reading X. I don't know if you ever read X, Rich. Ever heard of X? 
the Dark Horse property that he wrote for a couple of years. It's really good. I'm really enjoying it. But we'll, but I've picked Badlands, so we'll do that uh, in preparation for the interview. Now, I do want to say thank you to all the supporters on Patreon. Look, the more supporters we get on Patreon, the more special content we can provide. Um, it's it's patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Signal of Doom. You can support the show there. Um, for as little as $1 or $2 per month, it really does help the show. Now, we are also proud members of The Collective. Um, lots of good programs on The Collective. I was just on Ultimate Spidercast with Phil and Ray over at Capes and Lunatics. Also, Lilith's there and, and Charlie's there as well. Fantastic shows there. You've got Ray uh, at Into the Night, Ray and Connor at Last Sons of Krypton. You've got Brian Biggie at Inner Demons. Um, you've got plenty of shows, really. There's a, there's a stack of shows on The Collective, obviously, where... Huge loomerage on the collective, but you're already listening to us. Um, Rich, anything you'd like to say to the audience before we finish up? Thanks for tuning in again. Yeah, man, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in, guys. That's right. And, I mean, I talked about the Abyss earlier tonight. Don't go too far into the Abyss. If you're an obsessed fan of Signal of Doom and of me and even Rich, uh, I can, uh, you know, I can understand. How about, how about don't go into the Abyss at all? Don't slide into the Abyss. Like, gaze into it for a while. It gazes right back at you. Just <laughs> All right, I want to say thank you and good night. Good night. Great show, Rich. I'm no longer a fugitive And I'm not on the lamp I'm just a ramble. I am what I am. I do what I do. Cause I do give a damn. And I'm not a tramp. And I'm not a drifter. I am what I I won't be a slave and I won't be a prisoner and I'm just a nephew to today's Uncle Sam I believe Jesus is God and the pig is just ham I'm just a seeker I'm just a sinner be what I am I won't be a slave And I won't be a prisoner And I'm just a nephew To today's Uncle Sam I believe Jesus is God And a pig is just ham I'm just a seeker I'm just a sinner And I am what I am